to No Cartridge Audio. My name's Trevor Strunk. Hey, Goban on Twitter. And I'm here today with um, someone who I've actually meant to have on the show uh, for, for many, uh, I feel like, years at this point. Um, and and as, you know, I'm just incredibly good at running this podcast, I have, have apparently forgotten to ask her. Uh, but uh, it's everyone's favorite, uh, I don't know, I, I feel like you're everyone's favorite critic, but maybe that's not true. Uh, <laughs> Dia Lucina, uh, Dia, welcome to the show. Oh, hi, thank you so much for having me and for that introduction because <laughs> I know for a fact that it's so not true. You're not everyone's favorite. I, you know, so I, I was actually thinking about you the other day because I was talking to. I, I don't think she would necessarily mind me saying. I was talking to my um, a friend of mine who's also been on the podcast, uh, the uh, the the lovely Lana Polanski, who, who's at Mecca Poetic. Um, I don't know if you you know Lana or your friends or not, but um, uh, she was talking to me about how um, a lot of her career in games writing has been people saying that uh, she is um, you know saying things a bit too rudely or should or should calm down or something like that. Like you know, go about things a different way. Like be be nice, don't burn bridges. And it it reminded me of a lot of. Uh, of some of the things you've been writing on on uh, Twitter recently about like <laughs> just the, the the wages of being polite, you know? Yeah, it's. I mean, do we just want to jump right into this? Because uh, yeah, will... you know what? Actually, probably. Well, so okay, I was thinking about that. Let's put a pin in that real quick because you want to. You mentioned the. Usually, I would not put a pin in it. We jump right in. But I gotta hear you talk about. Um, <laughs> the the Megaten anime that you watched last night. That is like, it's important for me to hear what this was. So, um, I mean, I guess it's first, like, you know, uh, one of the, the big jokes that um, uh, friend and critic and uh, writer, game dive, uh, Colin Space Twinks, uh, always jokes on me about is my love for obtuse bullshit, um, <laughs> specifically regarding wizardry. Um, I mean, you couldn't possibly have picked a better series because that is my shit. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, I could I could go back and forth and be like, you know, I love like you know making characters and naming them after my friends and sending them off to die in dungeons. And I wrote about that for Giant Bomb at one point for a end of the year uh, top ten when I put the PlayStation uh, three Wizardry game um, on my top ten list. I feel like but, that was probably not like on everyone's top 10 list that wasn't on anyone's top 10 list because <laughs> i did that in 2018 and that sure as shit wasn't on anyone's mind other than mine um i love their their extremely loose uh best of list standards it's so fun I, god bless alex navarro i was actually just right. um i realized i'd missed the 100th episode um with alex on it and i was just listening to that um in preparation oh. Well, thank um, you. for coming on your show but um, i love i love talking to alec like honestly like someone uh, a friend of mine was listening to some of his old drum uh uh streams and 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 they were like yeah um it was back in april so i don't know if you want to track it down or not but alex uh alex shouted you out and said he had fun at the uh when you guys did the live show and i was like oh <laughs> he, he said i had a nice voice when we did rock band it's like that's just like the nicest guy in the world you do have a nice voice like i could listen like as far as like white guys on podcasts like like you know definitely five thank star you. i appreciate that oh thank you so much <laughs> i that's that actually honestly means a lot i i also um 
I also was professionally trained in singing when I was younger. I was in a children's choir. That you know, I often wonder about people that are professionally trained as vocalists when they're younger and their kind of, you know, podcast um, voicing structure and things like that um, and cadence and all of those things. Um, That's a really interesting point. I've never actually thought about how it impacted my cadence, but I'm sure because, it does. Because I was, and everyone always tells me, oh, you have such an incredible, you know, reading voice or, you know, and people keep telling me like, oh, you know, like your voice sounds great on podcasts. And I'm just kind of like, I cannot stand myself, but okay, thank you. <laughs> um, I really, I really, I'm, I'm sad we've never talked about the fact that we were both in children's choirs, uh, professionally <laughs> trained as children. That's a, that's a real bonding moment uh, yeah. right there. It it's is. Like, that's, that's a that's a that's a uh, a club that not a lot of people are members. Of. No, I and mine like. was at this god awful douchebag private school in Richmond, Virginia, where oh okay, where like um, you know everyone had names like Craig Widom the Third and Mercer <laughs> Ferguson, and um, so yeah, it was interesting. Like um, I was too brown. For the handbell choir. What? Did they wait, so so I I one hundred percent believe that was the reason. Was that also the reason they gave you? Um there was like it was it was it was couched differently because you know these these were contemporary racists, so they didn't, you know, just want <laughs> sure. to come out and say it. They were like, Oh, you just you just really stuck out and <gasps> the handbell choir really needs a cohesive look, which is funny as shit because if anything, the choir needs a more cohesive look than the fucking handbell choir. The handbell choir, really just, I mean, it, if that's really a consideration gloves. of yours, like, yeah, we're wearing gloves. Like, we're barely lit. the The bells are fucking lit, not your face. Yeah, I was gonna um, say, who's looking at anything but the bells in a bell choir performance? Yeah, like, and I was like super, super hardcore. Like, I wanted to be in fucking handbell choir. I was like, this is all I want. Um, oh. and, and no, I was too brown, even though I was the only one that had a fucking sense of rhythm. Yeah, well, I mean, that could like, read music. At that point, they they decided they didn't want a handbell choir. They just wanted a racist club. And uh, honestly, fuck that. That's I've talked about it on Twitter, but our school divided us up into Lees and Jacksons. <laughs> just let that sink in for a second. I'm, we I'm were, like, I'm, I'm I'm tearing down all your statues. I'm and we had like, like seventy two people. Like our our entire school like grade was like seventy two people, and like we were divided into Lees and Jacksons. And then every year we had to recite Hiawatha. Oh no! Yeah, so it was oh, fun. Wait, is that, that's like, the Longfellow poem? Am I right? That's the is that by Henry yeah. Wadsworth? Okay. Oh, great. Yeah, it was it was Ooh. a bad scene. Like that place, fucking that is sucked. that is a eat my lot. ass, St. Christopher's. Wow. Yeah, that I. You know what? Um, that is something that I have never heard before. That anyone would have to recite Hiawatha, and the, I, I don't know what to say about that. That's but uh, that's where I became quarrelsome. You said it all. Um, <laughs> that's where I learned to become quarrelsome, really. Um, it's important but, to so, learn where to come Yeah, I love wizardry. And, um, and like in wizardry, we've gone far afield from the initial point Listen, and wandered okay. down a corridor. But we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look at our, our graph paper and get right back to where we were supposed to be. <laughs> um, and so um, I have never played the early Shin Megami Tensei games because they didn't come out in America because, you know, it was the late 80s, early 90s, and we were still, like, I guess, gripped by the, you know, satanic panic from right. the TSR AD&D A's. 
and so that was a game about summoning demons and talking to demons and so we didn't bring those out over here and until i think was it nocturne the first one that actually came out i believe nocturne was the first one. i think the persona games came out persona yes oh yes because we got persona two, we got revelations persona and revelations and we got we got revelations persona and then persona 2 on playstation um, 1 yeah we only got one of the persona 2s we didn't right. get the other one until very recently um, like but yeah, I think in terms of SMT games, which let's be clear, they are different. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> way yeah. different. Um, yeah, I think Nocturne was the first one. Uh, maybe I, I would have to look at the release, but maybe there was a Digital Devil Saga before that. Um, but I, I don't think so. I know because I think Digital Devil Saga came out after Nocturne. Okay. Yeah. That would make um, sense. I mean, honestly, it would like the only reason I would think maybe otherwise is because of America's uh, love of like a uh, a game that looks like it should have a like a heavy metal soundtrack, which I mean, Nocturne does, too. But Digital Devil Saga just feels like it should always be playing, you know, some sort of extremely high pitched guitar. Yeah, it really does. Um <laughs> I, 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 I'm glad I can finally share this observation with someone. Um, but, but, but yeah, so, so uh, you haven't played. Yeah, the the so one, two, and if is that right? Oh well, there's so there's Shin Megami. There's 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 a Shin Megami Tensei series which starts mm-hmm. with Shin Megami Tensei one, and then Shin Megami Tensei two, and then Shin Megami Tensei if, um, and then there's some other shit going on after that. Um, but before that. There was Digital Devil Story Megami Tensei. And I have wanted to play through um, the SMT games for a while. Um, uh, You know, I picked up Nocturne. I, I, I went back and got a PlayStation 3 like maybe a year ago and... Like, I was like, okay, we're going back. We're doing Dark Souls. We're doing Demon Souls. We're doing, you know, Shin Megami Tensei. You know, we're doing, we're doing Nocturne. Like, we're going to hit the classics that um, I only had a few kind of hours hands-on with myself okay. um, when they were current. And so um, I decided because, so I got, I got, I got part of a computer from my father um, when I told him I got a stimulus check and I was thinking about just building a crappy PC <laughs> and, um, he was like, well, I'll send you my old one because I just bought a new $4,000 gamer rig <laughs> to play the new Microsoft flight sim because he's Incredible. that asshole. Incredible. Yeah. Um, though, interestingly enough, when he bought the old one as a Christmas present for him and I asked him like, Hey, can I have your old one? He was just like, no, I'm going to give that to you know, uh, my, my, my new wife, uh, for her office PC. It's just such a waste. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he sent me this like basically baller fucking PC, like at least half of it. And then I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna buy the rest of this shit. And I was like, now I can emulate like PlayStation two games and like shit like that. And, um, I want to play through these old games. And I was like, but, you know, they're long and I suffer from the kind of, you know, the current problem that we all do where we have to turn things that we just want to do into hobbies. That yeah, yeah, are and not, not just hobbies. Like content. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, we, we can't just have hobbies. hobbies. We have to. Yeah. We have to. And like, I don't even necessarily want to monetize it, but I'm like, oh, no, it has to be part of my brand. It has to be part of my output. Of course. Um, right. 
And so that's what I am doing. Um, I am starting a let, I started a let's play series, um, kind of just off the cuff the other day. I was like, it was literally 24 hours. Like I was kind of like, I mentioned it in passing to my partner. And then like the next night I was just like, <laughs> it was like two o'clock in the morning and I'm just like, I'm awake. I've got the microphone set up. I've got the game set up. Fuck it. We're recording right now. And, um, oh, that's cool. Like, it's not great. Um, some people have complained about the uh, audio quality being too low because I got really close to the microphone and I was just kind of, it's nighttime and we're playing, we're playing Shin Megami Tensei. And, they didn't like the, oh, the ASMR gonna, quality? Yeah, I was, I was, you know, um, originally my plan to start uh, doing Let's Plays was I wanted to, um, borrowing from my good friend and um, not mentor in you know, like actual terms, but spiritual mentor, Lee Alexander. Um, I have always loved her lo-fi let's plays and, Mm. and the kind of ASMR qualities of them. And so I was like, let's bring that energy back. Cause that's what we need. We need the 20 minute YouTube, like let's play where we just 20 minutes in a game and then we never touch it again. And like, that's all we need. And um, so I was going to do that. And then I got the brain bug about fucking Megami Tensei and was just like, we're doing the Mega Ten series. We're going to do all of it. It's going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> this is so baller. This is the best idea of any idea anyone's ever had. And then I was like, oh, that's a lot of games and they're very long. Yeah. I um one of the one of the chapters in the uh, the book proposal that I'm now working on, uh, not the proposal, the book um was uh is on uh, uh partially on the smt games and like when i was like when i was getting all geared up for it i was like okay i gotta get these so i'm just like i saw there was a sale and i was like okay i'll i'll, I'll just get a bunch of these ds games it's fine like and just like when i looked at them all like next to each other i was like this is each of these games is going to take me 60 hours to play at least like this is this is a nightmare what i've set up like what am i doing um, so I can only imagine actually like following through on that, which, uh, certainly I won't, but I, I'm sure you will. Yeah. So you can just watch. Um, I am and... so excited. This is, this is big for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that's, I've actually like the response has been really good and people were really like, Oh, hell yeah. Mega 10 let's play series. And I'm just like, I thought like people were going to be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And people have been encouragingly what the fuck is wrong with you but <laughs> the people i listen to at least um they know what the fuck is wrong with me so people love honestly like i i don't think i got maybe the dark soul streams the Sekiro streams but like i don't think i got more of a persistent group of people just watching me get through every single dungeon what then what i did with nocturne and that was like the way I played Nocturne, like I went in not knowing about the debuff stuff because I had never really played all a, a full, uh, like mainline uh, SMT game. So I was like, oh, you just play this like an RPG. And so I like hit my head against walls for a long time. But people love it. <laughs> people just love it. I, I, I'm I'm there too. So I'm I'm sure it's going to be like a huge hit for you. Yeah, um, it was really funny because like I kept getting um, notifications on my phone that were just like, "You got a new subscriber, new subscriber, new subscriber, new subscriber," and I'm like, "Holy shit, what the fuck, y'all? It's, it's just like an hour and twenty minutes of me." So, 
I went in being like, fuck everyone. I am, you know, big dick wizardry champion. I got this. And, um, so there like is no translation of the manual that I could find online. So it was very like, it's not helpful. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, like, there's like five minutes of me going, looking at the, the initial stats for the characters and being like, okay, well, this guy's a himbo. I know, um, I saw looking for the manual that, um, he doesn't get spells, so he doesn't need fucking wisdom. So fuck him. And we'll just bu- beef up his strength. And then there's like a, a stat called at just a T T. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Oh, and I'm like, but like, I don't see like a vet. I don't see like anything that would indicate to me that there's like a constitution kind of score, a stat. And we've got strength, we've got whiz, we've got at, we've got agility and then luck. And I'm like, okay, I know what those are, but I don't know what the fuck at is. So we'll just dump some points into at, (laughs) which I still don't know what it is. I dumped points into it, but anyway, um, it did I mean, not is it go like well. attrition or uh, that's wild. Yeah, so you, I have it no didn't idea. Work out. Okay. No. Um, so like the first half, actually probably more like the first like 45, 45 to 50 minutes of um, that, that first episode is me just getting my ass handed to me. <laughs> over and over and over again i take like three steps into a dungeon and just like i get like there's like a batten which is like a snake and there's two of them and i'm not paying attention to the fact that there's two of them and i'm like yo fuck we'll fight these fucking battens whatever like yo i gave everyone like you know i got him a dagger and he doesn't have any armor because i spent all my money on the dagger and And that's just that's just what you do yeah like i'm like that's the best fucking weapon in the shop like okay we're gonna wreck shit um, no, I took like 27 hit points of damage. I had 24 hit points, like <laughs> just gone. Um, and then like I kept doing it. And finally I was like, okay, okay. Clearly I have tried to min max in a system that I do not understand. <laughs> let's just restart. And so like halfway through this let's play, I just fucking restarted. <laughs> Incredible. And was like, okay, we'll have more balanced stats and we'll go more slowly. And, you know, this time we'll buy armor. And that's, um, I mean, that's like, that's like the soul of, of, a, of, a, of like a Mega 10, especially like an early Mega 10 Let's Play, is that like you sort of start it and then you're like, oh, geez, I messed this up real bad. <laughs> like, I, I did not see where this was going. I'm going to have to start again. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting um, to, to kind of have that experience new because. Like it was, it was, it was very interesting because like, I was like, okay, this is, um, an ex- this is an experience I haven't had since God. Um, maybe my first time playing demon souls. Okay. Like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, like, and before that it has been, it hasn't been since like final fantasy one. Uh, and before that was sorcerian and wizardry. Like, these kind of like I am coming up against systems that I don't understand and I'm just kind of punk plunking away at them and I've made mistakes and now I need to start over. And now that I've gained some kind of some semblance of understanding, at least we'll have an easier time and we can like grow through the system better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't ha- so I haven't had that in a long time, you know, like professional games critic, like I don't run into novel experiences 
all that often. Well, yeah, um, I mean, no one's gonna. It, it would be it would be so risky in so many ways to make like a system like that these days, where you know half of your audience is going to bounce off of it instantly. Yeah, um, and so it was really fun to at like. <laughs> four o'clock in the morning to have this experience and then being like, and this is going to be public. Well, shit. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, very cool. But so I, I did, I, you know, um, there's not a lot of space on the cartridge um, or there wasn't a lot of space on the cartridge for um, digital devil story, Megami Tensei to include a lot of story okay. cutscene up front. Um, so you kind of get the touch, like, you know, there's like, okay, there's Nakajima and then there's his girlfriend, Yukio. And like, they, he, he created a program to summon demons and Lucifer was like, fuck all y'all. I'm breaking through your computer and I'm going to take over the world and I'm going to instantiate my, my kingdom on top of earth. Okay. So okay. that's, that's really all you get. Um, you don't get any like kind of like real nouns other than like Lucifer. <laughs> um, well, I mean, what are the nouns? Genie? And so like, you're, I'm like wandering through like, and it's like, oh, you know, there's like the land of Asaya. And then some dude's like, this is Daedalus. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what that shit means, man. But cool. Like weird that you've got rocks. a tower named for the guy who like invented the fucking like labyrinth on Minos. <laughs> but like, you know, cool. Um, I mean, yeah, if you got to name your tower after something. Right. Um, so, like, you, you get some, like, proper nouns, like, kind of very scattered throughout. But then um, uh, looking up more, I realized I was like, okay, so this is uh, the game um, is based on this series, this trilogy of novels. Um, yes, I've, I've read about that and then was just like, I can't, I'm not going to find these late novels translated. And I, even if I could, I'm not going to read them. Yeah, that was kind of where I was at. Um, and this, the game itself is kind of a truncated retelling of the third novel. Okay. But they made an OVA of the first novel. Okay. All and, right. And so That's I was helpful. like, well, I'm not going to read a translated, I'm not going to read a translated light novel series, uh, especially not fucking three of them. So let's go find this anime. And so I found the anime and holy shit. <laughs> um, it's a lot. Um, so right off the bat, like kind of the big things that they don't tell you about in the game is that the main character Nakajima is an asshole and like oh. a freaky weirdo asshole. Okay. So, so yeah. some Nocturne, not, not Demi Fiend isn't like this, but all of Demi Fiend's friends in Nocturne. That's, that's the main vibe I got up of them. So that, that charts with the rest of the series. Well, so like, okay. So spoilers for digital devil story megami tensei the anime um, no <laughs> just kidding go ahead he creates this program to summon demons into his computer right okay like that's the basic premise is we're summoning demons into our computer and he wrote the program um what is not covered in like the game is that part of what he was doing was like he ropes his pro his teacher in to his like scheme to summon demons into the computer and like there's just a whole sequence where basically what happens is the teacher comes down to his like to goes goes to the computer lab where there's a big pentacle on the floor and like an armchair set up next to this like you know big ass 1980s like workstation computer and he puts this kind of like 
you know, SenseNet like VR headset on her. <laughs> and he summons a demon called Loki, who uh-huh. is just a big blue furry beast dude. And she ends up just having VR sex with this demon. All right. And she's wow. like, well, and so what ends up happening is she is super into it. She is all about that VR demon dick. And so she sneaks back and like, is like kind of having like this like side affair with the demon. <laughs> and like, I guess he's like, yo, bring me into the real world. And so she's like, I'll hack into a bank and steal their mainframe power. And so we'll get enough power to bring you into the real world. And like, she is just like, she does that. And like, Later, there's like a scene where she's just like humping his leg while he's delivering a monologue about like, you wanted power, Nakajima, and I'm willing to give it to you. But now you're a piece of shit and you're not helping me. And it's just like, none of this is in the fucking video game, y'all. <laughs> wow. I can't believe none of that made it in. The, so like the NES cartridge didn't have enough time to tell you about the uh, It did VR not have fare. enough room to tell us about ah, VR demon sex. Ah, man, you know, they needed to wait till 16-bit. I'm sure they could have told that story in SMT1. Like, I kind of wonder if it does come back in, like, the... the there's an SNES kind of remake of the first two, the Mikado Tensei 1 and 2. Yeah, and um, I'm, like, kind of wondering when I'm going to take those on because I'm like, well, I should should do those Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, initially I was kind of like, do I even want to do, do I want to do Mega Ten, like, fully? Do I want to do Megami Tensei 1 and 2 and, like, then go into the Shin Megami Tensei series from there? And I was kind of like, yeah, I know it's going to be a little boring. I know it's very truncated and just kind of hallway grind, dungeon grindy, but we should do it. Um, my friends Jackson and M at Abnormal Mapping, they have a podcast that they do called The Great Gundam Project, where they are watching all of Gundam. Oh, all of it. And then like ancillary anime too. So, um, and that's incredible. And that's a huge undertaking. And I'm just kind of like, you know what? I respect them. I'm going to do this. Like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. So It's the time for big projects. It's like, it I just feels like that moment. Yeah, it's really weird because, like, this was, my, this was my first Let's Play. Like, this was, my, this was my first YouTube video that, like, I made a YouTube video. And it wasn't just, um, you know, I recorded me running into the 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 burning bowl in Sekiro (laughs) and like randomly like not knowing it just walking into like you know I I crossed through that that hall that doorway and then all of a sudden it was just like there's a giant fucking bowl on top of me shit um and so and I killed it like I just fucking just got up in its business and just fucking killed it I was just like I was like hell yeah go post that on YouTube um great so like that's my only other video on YouTube, I think. Like there's like that, and there's like one other Sekiro one, maybe. Um, so, so I just kind of like you know like this is my first YouTube video. We're just gonna do it, and um, so cool. Now I really have the buzz for it. Like I'm just like yo, I I know I said like weekly, but what if I did one just? What if I just did this every day? <laughs> <laughs> which is a very unhealthy way of thinking so i'm yeah. trying to push myself away from that but it's very hard because i'm like i could just do this every day 
forever. Megaton brain is a real thing. I mean, it's just it, it. It's very hard to get out of it when it's like you're just there. Like it's just like this is so. This is how my brain works now. I'm thinking about like demons and combinations and the way that you summon them through computers and I don't know. Like I, 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 I completely understand it. And uh, yeah, I hope you keep. I hope you stay healthy with it. But I also uh, want to see all of the content. So. <laughs> Yeah, I I did. I am cheating a little because I realized like I can't like you get so little experience and um, maca um, mm-hmm. in that the, game the per fight. And the yeah. fights are really kind of long because um, mm. like you do like five to 15 damage and things have to have like 60 hit points. And it's just like, Ugh. oh, fuck. Um, so I did do some off camera grinding uh, last night while I was just like catching up on podcasts and just like, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this. It's not going to be on, but that's kind of where we need to be because otherwise this is just going to be a 108 hour podcast for just this one game. And I can't, <laughs> I can't do that. I can't Can I ask, person. do you, do you find that meditative like grinding when you're listening to things or just like as a, as a sort of side thing that you're doing? Cause I, 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 I ask because I definitely do. Like I, there's, there's something very calming about that to me. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I definitely like it. I mean, um, God. Um, so when, back when I was playing MMOs, um, I was always very much a crafter gatherer Mm -hmm. type of person. And I was like, yeah, we're going to, I would definitely put on podcasts and just get in a flow of like running from, you know, resource node to resource node gathering. And like, you know, that was, I would do that rather than the optimal way of leveling up because it was more enjoyable Mm. for me. So there is definitely that with grinding. Um, Sometimes it can be like, it can, it can get a little bit like if if you can't dissociate through it a little bit, it can kind of suck. But um, yeah, you have to. I mean, I, I think on a certain level, like there is something. I'm not one to talk about or think that like uh, generational differences uh, in terms of like media are a thing, really. But like, there, there's something in my mind that makes me think like maybe people who grew up with RPGs in the last you know ten, five ten years as opposed to uh, earlier maybe aren't going to ever understand like how like aren't going to have the tolerance for that kind of grinding um which i don't blame them for i mean maybe maybe the mmo is going to keep that keep that alive i'm not sure yeah i don't know because it feels i mean um you know looking at like final fantasy 14 which is the last mmo i played um that really went out of its way to make like there is grinding in it but also um, whereas Final Fantasy XI was extremely all about grinding. You know, it was <laughs> right. like you get your party together, you're going to, you know, you, you you hang out on the Velcrum dunes in a big mass and some, you know, their thief runs out and gathers up a bunch of mobs and brings a mob train to you. And then you just kind of like, you know, winnow them down and then you repeat that. And then your party breaks up because someone has to go to bed and you have to spend an hour finding a new tank and, you know, shit like that. But, um, <laughs> right. but the current MMOs are much more, you know, um, 
like with with Final Fantasy fourteen, they have like kind of guild leaves, which are just kind of little mini like repeatable mini quests, like Bethesda style side quests where you can just pick them up and go do them. And then boom, you got a shit ton of experience. Right. Um, like that sort of thing. So I don't know, like, I guess the nature of grinding is changing from walk around and wreck shit. Right. Um, walk around in the same, like I can picture the circle I used to grind in the, subways in nocturne when i needed to get up like six levels when my right. 70s and i was like okay i'm in the subway fairly powerful demons that i can just kind of work through are here here's the circle i'm taking i'm going to listen to six episodes of a podcast like that's you know there, there's something very familiar thinking about the experience of that but like also it doesn't yeah you're right it's not it's not the same i guess yeah or even like you know even in things like like dark souls like you know you've got your loop through you know new londo or whatever like that how to farm humanity kill kill those rats yeah like you know you you're you got your loop for your various things and like you just kind of like you know even in a game like dark souls i think honestly dark souls kind of is like a really interesting example of it because it is about internalizing like that guy is going to do the thrust. Like he's going to lunge out from behind that wall and I'm going to like, you know, walk up and I'm going to quickly sidestep and then stab him. Boom. And then I'm going to go around the corner and there's going to be the archer and I'm going to run up the stairs and I'm going to stab him. And then I'm going to like, you know, run back down the stairs and then I'm going to go over and like, you kind of get into this like mastery of the space. Yeah. Kind of it's, and it is, um, Cameron Kunzelman and, and um, Michael Lutch just did the the game study study buddies on uh, flow, but um, you know, I just look at it, I'm just like, no, that's just dissociating through a space that you understand. <laughs> like, you know, I do this every day, please. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's right. Like, I I I like uh, Michael and Cameron's work a lot. Uh, flow always has struck me as something like that too, where it's like. I'm not sure if I believe in flow. I do believe in disassociating myself through a space. Like you said, like that, that sounds like something that is very real to me that like I am, I'm, I'm just, okay. I know what, I know where to move. I know what to do. I'm not thinking about the action. I'm just thinking about the repetition. Yeah. It was just really funny. Cause like just the whole time I was listening to that episode, like, and like, you know, they're just kind of just trashing the argument. And I'm just kind of like, this is like just being racist about your PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah my my white ptsd is so much superior to those darkies with ptsd because i can gamify it what like it's it's brilliant um i mean I, you know it, what would where would we be if we couldn't make money off of the uh, racial differences of our ptsd oh my god <laughs> Actually, that's maybe a good uh, I and I I say this is a good uh segue, but you know, honestly, I don't I don't mean to say it that way to 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 ride Cameron and and Michael who both of whom well, I've had Michael on the podcast. I haven't yet had Cameron, but we've talked about it here or there. Um both of whom I I I think are great. Um but I did want to talk to you a little bit about uh your sort of I don't know I'm trying to think of the best way to say this because I, I don't want to just say like uh, just talk about this. Uh, y- your experience in in, in games writing, um, and I mean not in the in the sense of like quick name some names, but like uh, like I was sort of getting at the beginning. Um, 
how there's like there is a a strain of editorial oversight um and, and i mean as we've seen with places uh, like ign this is sort of like this kind of editorial oversight is sometimes on the way out uh but editorial oversight where like women especially um uh and, and trans women uh trans women of color um are told that they're kind of like ruining their chances by being angry or going about things the wrong way or, you know, told to do things a different way. Um, and I'm just wondering, like, if you found that in uh, games writing, if you had an experience where, like, you find that your work is uh, differently valued or if it's valued just right or if you have things to say about games writing, this is my way of saying just, you know, whatever you have to say would be, uh, I would I would love to hear it. Because I've always so found I... your writing really interesting and I always dislike not seeing it more places if i'm being honest so it's it's funny so i guess i guess the way to start with this is probably to start with how i entered the space of kind of professional games writing okay and so um i grew up like i know just you know um my my stepfather um his dad worked for ibm and so we always had computers in the house um he loved them he loved computer games he was fascinated by that and he really instilled that and kind of you know reinforced my interests on that um so i just kind of grew up just in this space of playing games and you know he was he was a smarty pants academic type so of course we had to like spend all of our time talking about the games we were playing but that also meant i got to play more advanced games without Like, you know, it was like, okay, yeah, you can, you can play this, like, you know, this game, but, um, we're going to talk about it afterwards and we're going to talk about the themes and what happens in it and what might be more mature for you. And so, wow. Um, yeah. So it was a really great experience. And, um, I guess around like, uh, 2007, I kind of fell off of games just completely, um, I, I, you know, went to Europe with my partner, my now partner, and um, I just sold my PlayStation 3. I sold my TV, sold all my games, just kind of was just like, you know what? I'm going to come back. I'm not going to be at the same apartment. I don't need all this stuff. Just going to get rid of it. Just going to have a lot of liquid cash. And that's cool. And I came back and I just didn't really get back into games playing them. But I did keep paying attention to kind of what was happening. Yeah. Um, I, I started, you know, I... Um, over the years, I ended up reading like Lee Alexander and Austin Walker and being like, wow, people are actually doing interesting things. I'm going to pay attention to them. And um, it was around, you know, 2014, 2017, sorry, God, um, <laughs> that I started thinking about writing about games again. Um, I was doing kind of lots of photography, lots of uh, copywriting for nonprofits and things like that. Um, basically everything to just not be in and around and thinking about games, just um, except on the periphery. Right. And Horizon Zero Dawn came out. Okay. And that was kind of, you know, I was listening to Waypoint Radio. I was reading all the articles from other sites. I was thinking more about games uh, i think i only had a vita at that point or no no i had a playstation 4 by that point too Have, yeah. uh, the vita i feel is the is the reluctant games writers uh console of choice 
it it really was because and especially if it was great for me because i love like i love old games from the playstation one and i love wizardry games (laughs) and there were a lot of options for me um you know if you like like impenetrable dungeon crawlers and you like you know visual novels and you like playstation one games the vita was beautiful yeah, I was going to say, but do you like visual novels? That's that's the other thing. Yeah, it's 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 an amazing system. I I had during like I had a a, a hiatus from gaming too and it 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 was such that I did not ever think about or buy a Vita and like I I regret that now. Like it it seems like it was such a cool moment to be playing that. It was really funny because um you know, whatever. Well, you're going to digress because this is a fun story and as Rob Zachney would say, this is what this is Dia plays the heads because <laughs> I am all about the autobiographical criticism. Um, so um, I had just finished a big job and gotten paid for it for a nonprofit um, writing an annual annual appeal. And uh, I was I lived near the Comcast Tower, okay. the, the, the Comcast headquarters in, in Philadelphia. And <clears throat> I went on a walk. And on my way back, I noticed that they had like, and I don't, I hadn't really noticed it before, but they had stores in the, the, the basement level of the tower. And I was like, I'm just going to wander in here. It's cold and blustery. And I'm just going to go in and see what's around. Maybe there's a, like a Starbucks or something. And they had a Sony store. Oh, just like a Sony brand, a store. And I was just like, huh. And like, I was wandering around and they had like, you know, some PlayStation 4s out. And then I saw that they had a Vita and it was on sale. And like, you know, it came bundled with Persona 4. Oh, um, nice. And I was just like, well, I've got a spare like 250 bucks that I wasn't, you know, really thinking about doing anything else with. Like it's sure as shit not giving it to federal student aid. So why don't I just... <laughs> We'll buy this Vita. And so I walked home and like, I just like, it just dropped like 300 bucks on like a PlayStation Vita and a case and like another game. I think I, I don't remember. I think I got the Assassin's Creed with the, the, the Creole woman Assassin's Creed for the oh, Vita. Okay. Yeah. That was okay. But, and Persona 4 Golden. And like, I, I walked home and it was, I was like, babe, I bought, bought a Vita. And she was just kind of like, my friend was like, Okay. And um, that was kind of our console, and I just kind of loved it. But um, that's cool. I like that a yeah. lot, actually. And then, like, the, I got you know, I started like talking more about games and thinking more about games, and it became it crept into my life more aggressively. And I um, remembered how much I loved um, thinking about and playing games and talking about games with mm. people that were smart. Um, and my partner is very smart and sharp and understands these things. So I was able to have conversations with them about it. And so then for my birthday, they got me a PlayStation four, um, and bloodborne. <laughs> oh, well, they know you pretty well, <laughs> which, which was really funny because I did not take to bloodborne at all. Really? Yeah. Um, uh, I had loved Demon Souls and I had loved Dark Souls and I had loved the Kingsfield games before it, but Bloodborne, I was just kind of like, 
I'm not getting this. It's not sinking with me. I don't, this feels wrong. I don't like it. It took me a long but, time um, to get into it, actually, when I was playing. Yeah. And then what, it was like, it was a couple of years later, actually, that I finally, like, um, it was the DLC that really sold me. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, which I wrote about when, like, years later. Huh. But, um, so Horizon Zero Dawn started coming out and people were talking about it and they were like talking about, you know, oh, there's Aloy and she's tribal and they call themselves the Braves and, you know, oh, it's this kind of like sci-fi game, but everyone's primitive and like, oh, you know, there's like savages. And I was just like, um, can we if we're going to like replicate these language, these like linguistic choices of the game, can we at least address them rather than just repeating them? Right. And I wrote an essay basically like, Hey, this is what I've been seeing for the past couple of years. Like we've just been doing this shit and it sucks. Like we have like the Ferris shit. We had like, you know, all the Torok shit, like, yep. Yep. You know, and now we're, we're doing this with, with Aloy and like how they call themselves the Braves. And so I wrote a piece that was actually directed at games journalism Hmm. because, you know, games journalists, we were woke now. Like, you know, this is 2017, you know, we had waypoint, like, you know, not to put this all on like Austin and waypoint, but like people were starting to think about these things and talk about them. And I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to write this piece and just kind of as like a gentle plea that like we think about this a little bit more rather than just keep saying this shit, you know, that we don't yeah. let Jeff Kaplan off the hook when he says, well, we, 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 we believe we were respectful of native identities. And it's like, well, maybe ask him why he thinks he's allowed to make that distinction and right. not native people. That seems like a very good question that should have been yeah, asked. Yeah, but like no one did. So I wrote this article and it blew up. Oh. You know, I wrote it on Medium. I was just like, I'm going to, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm going to write a piece about this thing because it's upsetting me. And like, I'm talking to games people on Twitter now and like, I'm just going to just do this. And like, I woke up the, ne- you know, a couple mornings later and Danielle Riendo, um, the oh. time managing editor of Waypoint, uh, had DM'd me and was like, we're running this piece. Um, can you just like give it a look over and make sure to see if there's everything's okay? And I'm just like, I didn't know what to do. I was like, uh, sure, I guess that's fine. Um, and, and Mike Diver had taken the piece and interviewed the narrative director of Horizon Zero Dawn. Wow. I said, (laughs) wow. And he was, Look, okay, this we're gonna get real. This is this is this is the start of the point where Dia gets real. John Gonzalez can go fuck himself. Yes. I played Honest Hearts, the Honest Hearts DLC for Fallout New Vegas. It fucking sucks. It's racist <laughs> bullshit. So is Horizon Zero Dawn. Eat my ass, John Gonzalez. You can cut that if you feel you need to. No, no, I do not feel like I need to at all. I actually, I, you know, like, and I, I'm only interrupting the story because I feel like this is a time where I can say it and I, I'm not breaking, cutting you off mid-sentence. It is really cool to hear someone else say this about Horizon Zero Dawn uh, because my my co-host on uh, on the anime 
rewatch podcast we're doing now. Um, my friend Andrew, uh, who's not on Twitter anymore, um, but uh, is is you know Twitter brained enough. Um, uh, has con- he's he, I, I think he's been the reason that I've I've been extremely skeptical of it um, because I think I I, th- I don't think I you were on my radar when you wrote that um, because I remember a lot of your your bigger pieces but not that one but I do I know Andrew has said a million times like this game is extremely racist and no one talks about it and like I. I, that had always been on my radar and I'd always thought about Horizon Zero Dawn as a racist game that no one talked about. And like, it is such like, it, it's so cool to hear it like expressed so succinctly and clearly and forcefully like that, that rocks. Like, well, that's the thing. I was on no one's radar when I wrote that. That's why like, I felt okay writing it. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I was like, I was Twitter friends with Michael. I was Twitter friends with um, Nico Deo of at the time doing Justice Points, and like I was friends with you know Todd Harper. Like um, I don't even think I think I don't think I was like like you know really tight with Cam or Austin or anyone like that. I was you know I was like just kind of a twelve hundred follower Twitter rando. Um, <laughs> Those were the days, kind of, though. It was cool being a rando, right? Um, <laughs> I miss it. And so, like, I wrote this piece, and I was just kind of like, you know, this will slowly filter out into, like, my friends who were doing this work, and then they will, like, look at it and go, like, oh, okay, they'll, you know, maybe that's something I should just store away in my brain. Um, And that was not what happened at all. Mm. It blew the fuck up, especially after Waypoint did the interview with with, um, John Gonzalez, and... Then it hit Polygon, and then it hit Kotaku, and then wow. it hit every fucking website, and then it blew up, and then it hit Greg Miller and Colin Moriarty. Oh, no. So my first week in games journalism was watching Greg Miller and Colin Moriarty shit all over my piece in the same breath as they were being racist about Bolivia because Bolivia was suing Ubisoft for Ghost Recon Cocaine Island. Right, 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 right. Like that was, that was, and, and then just feeling the full force of their follower, their shitty followers in my DMs, in my mentions, just ripping me apart. God, I hate Um, those guys so much. And like I knew Gamergate had happened. Like I knew it was, it was a thing and we were contending with it. And I knew I was friends with people that like were living through it and working through it and trying to like, and escaping it and just like being like, fuck this, I'm out. So it wasn't that I was like really unprepared for it. It was just really shocking that all of these people who had been doing that, no one had stopped and said, Hey, we're going to run this piece and you're going to be in it and we're not going to think about you at all. Mm-hmm. We're just going to do it. And maybe we'll come to you and say, Hey, do you want to write a follow-up? Because we got shit tons of traffic off of that. And like, we would love to get more fucking traffic off of that. Not thinking that I had been told like people were going to come to my house to cut my hands off. Right. Right. You know, like, so I kind of came into games journalism then. Um, that was my introduction was Colin Moriarty and Greg Miller 
shitting all over me and sending their fucking thousands of horde people all up my ass. And no one, no one's stopping to question whether this like, you know, indigenous trans girl really was prepared for the kind of shit that they were going to unleash on me in the name of good content, high traffic. Right. And like, I, I, it's like a, it's a a really clear way of putting the, like the, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. Cause like you just said it the best way you can. Like it, it, it strikes me that like, it is this problem of, acknowledging that oh there are people out there who will you know take any any sort of progressive article and like what they view as a progressive article and uh make it a a cause celeb and like a a thing where they're going to make your life horrible um and everyone kind of understands that and then they're just like but actually uh you know we're just going to understand that we're not going to change anything this is still all about um making sure that we have content uh, at all times. So, you know, um, anyone who gets caught up in that is sort of now you're, now you're one of us. Now you, now you've gotten to hate mail too. Isn't it fun? And I don't think people who actually are getting the brunt of it are often represented in the industry for long. Yeah. And like, it's, it's funny that you like, you know, you you bring like that up and about the kind of the cause celebrity thing. So the funny thing about it is, my article, which was very much addressing games journalism and, you know, kind of games journalists as a cohort and um, issues that I was seeing with the indus- that, ind- that section of the industry. Right. Um, it became indigenous writer rips the shit out of Horizon Zero Dawn. It mm-hmm. became the Horizon Zero Dawn article. Of course. And it wasn't the only person that like, you know, aside from like, you know, the few friends on like Twitter that like got it. Um, the only person that ever pushed back against that kind of false narrative was Natalie Watson, like weeks and weeks later Hmm. when like it came up on waypoint radio and she was just like, and actually that article was directed at games journalism. It wasn't actually about horizon zero dawn at all. Hmm. And like, like that was like kind of one of the first times I felt seen. Wow. <laughs> like I had been so overexposed by this, but like it wasn't until Natalie Watson came out and said that I was like, someone finally sees that. Yeah. Someone got it. Cool. I, and like, I, that must've been so, that must've been so, um, demoralizing or like, or like just, I, I don't know the word for it. Like demoralizing feels too little. Like it must've been awful to write like a direct missive to people saying like, Hey, can we please think about the language we use and then literally have them not focus on the language you use, like literally say like, Oh, so you had a problem with the video game that, that's yeah, just like, it, it sounds like the most frustrating thing in the world. It was like, it was really frustrating. And then, you know, suddenly I was like, you know, and of course I got like shit tons of followers out of that. And people were like, oh my God, it was so great of you to like, you know, really just stick it to Horizon Zero Dawn. And I was <laughs> just kind of like, it was just like weeks of people not getting it, but like wanting to have like, you know, the, the, the token indigenous woman follow. Sure. And then like, then there was like, you know, just, just an entire cavalcade of shit lords you know, sending me death threats. Mm. And like, that was, that was my, that was my first like two weeks in games journalism. And like, 
it really felt like I was just content to be milled and that that was it, that no one really cared. No one really had my back and that they were all too happy to use me. And so, um, then I got offered, you know, to write, um, and like Danielle, uh, waypoint was like, I had been talking, I had been like trying to just talk about fucking, uh, final fantasy, uh, 15 and like, uh, prompto, the prompto AI system and like how cool I thought that was. And like, you know, I'd written some pieces about Farah and like on medium and, I'd, um, I'd written, you know, like a piece about Shadowgate and a piece about, um, Simon's Quest soundtrack and how it drove my mom batshit. Um, <laughs> and I really, I, I was, I was, you know, like the Farrah thing pissed me off. Um, you know, uh, as a native woman, I was just kind of like, could not um, accept that. Mm-hmm. And, but really I just wanted to just kind of write things that were interesting to me. And so Danielle offered me this opportunity to get paid to write about Prompto I mean, who's going to say um, no to that? And I was just like, okay, this feels a little like, you know, sorry, we fucked you over, but I'll take it. Um, it's a good opportunity and it'll be fun. And it was. And then, then Polygon was knocking on my door mm. and I was like, okay, all right for you. And then I, I really... A lot of times it felt like people really wanted me to do the identity thing. It's like, oh, you've got multiple marginalized identities in your belt? Like, come on, let's do this thing. Except for Waypoint. Waypoint was the one place that didn't feel like they were asking me to do that, like, expressly. Did it feel like, I mean, did it feel like people did not think you actually had, like, because I'm maybe just hearing this, but, like, did it seem like people were not actually assuming you had, like, a good opinions about video games just like uh, that you could write well about identity and video games happen to play into that like that sort of seems like what you're describing there and i might just be assuming myself but no i do want i mean that's something that i still wonder about um and you know it's something that i have like and maybe that is kind of why i've like you know I have started talking more about things like the way in which systems work in, you know, wizardry likes and things like that, because it gives me kind of a mechanical thing to talk about rather than, you know, identity. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I imagine it just gets, cause like you, you, I, I know you just as much for, the you know your discussions of identity i mean those those do come up on twitter but like you also just have like very you know clear video game opinions and i would imagine that like i would imagine that having to think about like okay so like what part of the brand do they want do they want identity do they want the fact that i can say something smart about video games like what what is it here that i that that sounds like an exhausting part of writing that actually like is not a part of writing for many people. Like, I mean, myself included. Like, when I when I write, I just uh, have to ask, you know, do they want academic or do they not want academic? And that's an extraordinarily simple question. Um, but the question of, like, what part of me do they want is, like, it's, it's 
it's a not I would assume it's not a common question in games journalism. Yeah, um I guess it isn't. Um thinking about it like you know, I know I know people that like okay, you know, when when you know with with uh the Final Fantasy 7 remaster and Cloud's cross-dressing honeybee in moment, you know, everyone was kind of like, well, we got to get a trans woman on this. Right. You know, and like with uh, The Last of Us 2 um, and like, you know, there's we, not only do we have the the like kind of Ellie and Dina bisexual relationship, we also have, you know, Lev, the trans man character. Um, so it's like, well, we got to get a, you know, a, a queer woman on this and we have to get a trans person on this. Well, you know, maybe we can find a trans man, but any trans person will do like, you know? Yeah. So like there is just, we do now have the push to get people to write, exploit, I'll say it, to exploit their identity, to make content that, yeah. you know, and like I did it. I will probably do it again. Like, you know, it happens. There's not a lot of opportunity when you're a freelancer. I, um, I don't I can't imagine anyone blaming you for taking the the money and the byline where you can get it. Like, I, I, that seems like it's the fault of it's the fault of the people exploiting. Not I would assume. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to I don't want to speak for anyone who would critique. Well, I don't care about people who would critique you. I don't want to speak for you. Um but it would seem like I would I wouldn't imagine that would ever be like on you to have to be like, well, I am filtering out the things that I feel are are not worth my time because it's like it is such a horrible industry at this point. Like, just yeah. And like sparse. It's it's one of those things. And um, it's funny because I um I really I started um, I had a really bad experience with Polygon. OK. Um. And I was working on a piece about Second Son with Phil Kohler when, you know, basically it came out that he was a fucking creep. Um, so. Right. And, uh, you know, one morning I woke up and I got an email being like, uh, I have to, I'm going on, I'm taking some leave to go be with my family. And then it was like, uh, okay. Ah. And then I got passed around for weeks by Ben Kuchera, who finally just said, oh, this doesn't really advance any arguments. So we're going to kill it. Um, and like, you know, if that was the case, you would have known that three weeks ago, buddy. Yeah. yeah, That's, that's a, you passed me around your editors and then you kind of like waited out the clock. Right. So that you could not. And like, I remember Ben Kuchera from his, uh, Ars Technica forum days (laughs) before the Penny Arcade boob touch (laughs) and, uh, fuck that guy. Yeah. But like, so that was just like, you know what? I'm out. Fuck Polygon. I'm done. Uh, I'm just going to do Waypoint and they won't be able to give me many articles, but um, my editors there are top of their game. They care about me. They care about the work. That's what matters to me. I'm just going to do that and, you know, I'll figure something out from there. Um, And then, um, meanwhile, uh, Garrett Martin at Paste had been, like, kind of courting me forever, trying to get me to come right for paste. And I was really reluctant after Polygon. Um, I can imagine like that really was upsetting. And like kind of between the way in which Cecilia at Kotaku had kind of been mining me for Farrah content 
um, yeah. uh, really left a bad taste in my mouth with Kotaku. And then even though I had friends that were writing there and they were, they were like brilliant, talented writers and they were doing great at Kotaku. I was just like, Mm-mm. like, I know you have, you really don't do a lot of freelancing, but you're offering me freelance slots leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And, and with Garrett, I was very skeptical. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really just was like, I'm going to write for Waypoint and like, that's what I'll do. And I was kind of just, you know, writing these year end pieces about photography and games for Waypoint. Um, and then, you know, like I got to do the Tomb Raider art review and I got to do the review for Fallout, New Dawn and, or not Fallout, New Dawn, Far Cry, New Dawn. And, um, <laughs> I was going to say that's, that's one I don't know. Um, yeah. And, um, and like, I really, I really enjoyed working with these, you know, like Rob and Austin in particular are just such incredible editors to have because they, they really under you know, my stance as an editor is that not only do you have kind of, you know, a responsibility to the work, but that you do have a responsibility to the writer. Yep. It's not just, you know, all about the work, but it's all about like, you know, Rob and Austin would never let me hang myself on an article unless they really believed in it and they would stand by it or, and you know, they had helped me hone that argument that I was making. If I go out on a limb, they are going to make sure that we have sat down and constructed the supports for that argument. That's fantastic. Before we hit publish. And that is always, that felt really special. And like, I really, really respected them for, um, being those kinds of editors. And I didn't know about Garrett, you know, he was a wild card. Um, and it turns out he was great and I love Garrett and he lets me get away with so much bullshit. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I asked to do the, uh, the, the Yakuza spinoff review, uh, for the game judgment. And oh, great. I was like, I was like, you know, just kind of like, okay, I'll do a review, blah, 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 blah. And I ended up turning in like 250 words up front about windows <laughs> and just how I wandered around the city looking at windows. And then it ends up being a review of a city and like barely talks about the, the meat of the game. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is the plot and this is the combat. And if you've done Yakuza, you kind of know, and like, it's good and it's fine, but let's talk about how you know this waitress that you can t- walk up to has these like very world weary pink rimmed eyelids that's that's this game you know or my my like 3000 word just exegesis on what shenmue is as kind of you know an essential concept <laughs> and you know pace does not pay nearly as much as waypoint but um I get to do like, I finally feel like with paste, I'm writing on my own terms um, and writing kind of what I want to write. Like, you know, um, uh, during the um, like, you know, with the, with the pandemic and everything and advertising uh, has gone, you know, dropped and like slots have kind of shriveled up for freelancers. Um, I just went to Garrett and I was just like, Hey, um, do you think we could find a way for me to do a weekly column as part of what you pay me for where I just talk about soundtracks 
in video games. And Garrett was like, sure, we'll, we'll make it work. And we made it work. And it's some of like my favorite things to do now is like every Wednesday, I'm going to write about music <laughs> for video games. And like, sometimes it'll be very straightforward. Like kind of like, here's the pitchfork review of, you know, whatever, you know, Streets of Rage 2. <laughs> or, you know, the past three weeks, I got to write about the lack of exposure of and like, you know, um, awareness of black composers in video games. And like, I found like, I got so many people writing to me being like, yo, I'm a composer and I'm black and I make, I made video games just so that I could score them. And like, or like I'm doing, I'm doing these games. And like, it was so cool. Just be like, y'all check out these amazing composers who were all really fucking incredible. And like, you know, before like three weeks ago, I I knew like some of them, but like, I did not know, you know, you type in, you type in like black video game composer in Google, your first two results are two white guys. Jeez. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. And so like, that was really, that was really like fun and rewarding to do. And, you know, tomorrow I'm going to have a piece as soon as I write it, um, about, uh, kind of soundtracks from the itch, the itch.io bundle that they did recently. I was like, what if I just go through that and pick some soundtracks just from that bundle, you know? Yeah. Just for fun. I mean, honestly, you could just, you could, you could literally click on, there's so many games in that bundle that you could just like click on anything and be like, it's so hard because I have been like trying to navigate, like they really, they really went, um, I think a little bit overboard with that bundle. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) And we're, we're, it's, it's really, it's been funny kind of checking back every couple of days and seeing how the infrastructure for navigating it has changed as they kind of slowly try and make sense of it. Someone when when that bundle came out, um, I had just recorded a, uh, a pot. Well, it wasn't when it just came out, but it was like maybe a week after, or like a couple of weeks after, but I had recorded a podcast with uh, Scott Benson and he was like, Oh yeah. Like definitely check out this bundle. Cause like, you know, night in the woods is in a super good cause. And so I retweeted, I was like, yeah, totally. You should check out the bundle. And I had people asking me, they were like, like what games are good in here? <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay. So I, I went through as much of it as I could. I just listed the games that I liked. And like at, at a certain point I was scrolling down, it's like, there's never going to be a game down this low that I know. I'm sure a bunch are good, but like, I don't know them, so I can't recommend them. And then there was one and I was like, I guess I just have to keep scrolling. And it, it's just like, at that point I was like, this is more massive than I could ever imagine. This is just like, it's, this is a monolith. It's so, so much. Um, like, you know, it's been, it's funny because I, I definitely, I found some games in there and I'm like, these are fucking amazing. Yeah. Like, and like, you know, and then it's also like, it's also kind of like criminal at the same time. Cause I'm like, you know, I think about it and I think about like people saying, okay, I bought this bundle. I'm good on indie games for the year, for like the next three or four years even. <laughs> yeah. And like, I kind of like, I'm kind of I'm like, I'm like, yo, okay. Yeah. We raised, like a, you know, they raised a shit ton of money for like, you know, really good cause, but also all of these indie devs just kind of got, you know, nothing. Yeah, don't, don't, <laughs> and like, don't punish them for it. That seems like, like yeah. It, it feels weird. It's like, you know, like I went, like, um, um, you know, my friend Kevin Snow, uh, who I, it was funny. I, my podcast app, like, was like very sporadic about updating. So I didn't know until I mentioned <laughs> that I was going on the show that, um, Kevin was on. And like, they oh, messaged me and Kevin were like, on. they're, 
yeah, Kevin was like, oh yeah, that was like one of the best things I've ever done. Like you should absolutely do it. This will be great. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, oh, that's awfully and nice. so I listened to their episode and I was just like, this is great. But, um, you know, uh, Kevin's so signs fun. of the sojourner was in there and great I was person. kind of like, yeah, Kevin, I love Kevin. I Kevin was shocked like, to see signs of the sojourner there in there though. I was too. Um, it's so new. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, that's like the thing is like, you know, what was their ask? Was it, was it, was it really, it was five bucks. It was five was bucks. Ask? I think, I, I think I, I forget what I threw in. I at least put in 30 and cause I was like, this is, this is $5 for all this is, I, I couldn't like, I couldn't wrap my head around it. I would have put in more anyway, but it was like, it felt, it felt wrong on like a moral level, like almost like, yeah. like spiritually wrong to be like, okay, we'll pay five bucks for this. Yeah. I was, I was kind of like, okay, now I can't just, did get this five bucks? No, of course that's, not. That's, yeah, that's fucked up. Like, you know, even like you know, God, like you get all those games, and then there's all the TTRPG books, and like, yeah, like you get you get Blades in the Dark, like, and Lancer, which like Lancer, I think, just came out as like an RPG book, unbelievable, and like it's in there. I but mean, yeah, yeah. So, like, I got wild. The the first thing I immediately did was play Science of the Sojourner, and like I also immediately went back to the Itchio page and was just like, "Bye for real." <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was actually, and like I, I'm I'm the last person in the world who believes in consumer advocacy. Like I'm I'm a I'm a big believer in that. That's just like, you know, giving money to your friends is important, and giving money to people who need it need it is important. But like the idea of like, hey guys, let's like let's not buy this or let's buy this to prove a point is, has never struck me as, as very compelling. Um, but I did feel a, a surge of, of consumer relief when I, I was like, Oh, thank goodness. Uh, science of the sojourner is in this bundle. And I, I backed it before it, it was in this bundle. Like, Oh, it makes yeah. me feel so much better. <laughs> like I, I felt so, I was so worried about like when I saw that, I was like, Oh no, Kevin. And I was like, well, at least I backed it. Like, at least you bought it. Like it's like sort of like the same thought in my mind. It's a silly thought, but it's like, you know, a couple bucks here and there. Well, and it's it's funny because like this is something, um, and you know, because because let's talk about it because it actually got you to like you know <laughs> message me. Um, like I think a lot about the cashed up white guy YouTubers. Yep. Of the game sphere. And just how much bank they make, um, making these overlong um, and just, just frankly exhausting um, videos uh, with their like kind of substantial followings and like their huge fat Patreons. It's, I mean, and, yeah, and I, I don't know if we, should we be explicit about who we're talking about or should we leave it up to the imagination? I mean, it could, it so could earlier anyone, this but, week, yeah. I once again shit on Tim Rogers. I, I'll, I, you know what? Don't don't feel like you're alone here. I did. Um, my only interaction with Tim was uh, when I I messaged him to say how messed up it was when he was like, "I hope I get fired from my job soon. I can't wait to do something more uh, productive with my life." And I was like, "Wow, uh, fuck off." Yeah, that was one. I think that was when he was at. Oh, what was he at Kotaku? Is that right? Or Poly- yeah, he was at Kotaku. Yeah, yeah. I always confuse Kotaku and Polygon because my brain uh, thinks those words are similar. Uh, so I've I've upset people in the past, but um, hopefully not very much. But the uh, yeah, like uh, Tim was like, you know, I just hope I get fired because I just I would love to translate video games again. And I was like, you know, like I just had one of my classes canceled and no one will publish my work. Like 
you are just like this is terrible what you're saying. And he's like, oh, I didn't mean it that way. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I guess I did. I guess I did say that. And I was like, Jesus, this is like you're the worst, dude. Yeah. So because he got all soft boy in my fucking mentions and couldn't just like, this is the thing I don't understand about people who make like six figures. Why the fuck are you on Twitter? Yeah, just get off. And why the why the fuck are you responding to like quote tweets from people who have like what? Like I think I've got like a sixth of the following that he has. Fuck off. Like go go spend your fucking money that you apparently feel really bad about. <laughs> a friend like, messaged me with that and said like, "Did you know that uh Apparently, the idea of giving your money to people is uh, is still like a, a concept that's in progress. <laughs> like the the like, quoting quoting that tweet. Yeah, like it's and so I bring this up because, um, you know, um, for a time I um, excuse me, uh, I started a micro uh, genre game site called Capsule Crit, which is on ice um for the we'll see hopefully it'll come back this year um i have to work on a glide path to get myself back into that because bandwidth and just everything like like my my resources were very stretched thin and um like i just kind of needed a break from running it but um when i started it i was like you know everyone is really into the fuck you pay me you need to pay writers. And like, I agree with that, but also at the same time, I kind of just wanted to do something that was just really low pressure. Yeah. And then I didn't have, you know, I wasn't getting paid for it. I was, I was just paying for it. <laughs> like, you know, I paid two artists to make art for it. I paid for the hosting and like, I was kind of putting in my labor to edit pieces and get them up. And, um, and I, I thought for a long time, I'm like, okay, should I, do a GoFundMe to raise money to pay writers for this. Mm -hmm. And the reason I didn't is because looking around at the kind of like, you know, non-mainstream, non-white guy YouTube or Patreon game stuff, it was all a bunch of the same. Like I, I joke about it being the queer microeconomy <laughs> where we are all like, we are all repatreoning the same 20 bucks. Oh. And like, you know, someone, someone subscribes to your Patreon. And so that means that you can subscribe to two other Patreons. Right. Yeah. Actually, I mean, you know, yeah, that's like, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> like, like we're GoFunding me, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I've got 25 bucks. I can put it in this GoFundMe. And then a month later, it's like, shit, you know, I, my, my, car broke down and I need to fix my car. And then that person turns around and GoFunds me the 25 bucks that you just GoFund me them. And like, you know, we've created this kind of just circular network of the same, like, like three to five grand total. <laughs> it's it's so like, like, it's a very wholesome, the house that Jack built basically. It really. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't, I did not want to put another taxation on that. Mm -hmm. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to make this site. I'm going to do this thing. And if people want to participate, then they can, and they can do so knowing that I cannot pay anyone and that I had to write a year end and do two months of paste articles to pay for this site. Mm. So like, that's what, that was the deal. And, um, and it worked for a long time. I did get a lot of pushback from people being like, fuck you, you should be paying your writers. And me being like, sorry, I don't have the money. 
I'm poor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, no, it, I'm not poor. I'm broke. There's a difference. <laughs> um, there was a, like, yeah, there was a brief period of time. I feel like where where like podcasts were doing the thing where they were like paying their guests, like some of the, the richer podcasts. And I felt really bad about not paying mine. And I was like, why well, can I do this? Like, could I even plausibly do this with the, the Patreon? Cause the Patreon's essentially like, I, I use my Patreon effectively as my salary since I'm not like particularly employable as an academic. <laughs> and so like, yeah. uh, there's no, uh, academia is dead. It turns out. Um, but the, you know, like it, I, I, I beat myself up and I think at some point someone was like, look like you, like it's great when people can pay their guests. Like you can't beat yourself up. Cause like you want to, and can't like, that's, that's not helping anyone. And I think like, that's kind of like what I would say there too, where it's like, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, like, it would be amazing to, to pay all your writers. But, like, if you can't, then there's no point, like, berating the person about it. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting, particularly, like, um, um, you know, um, my partner um, works in literary editing mm, and for mm. Lit Mags and things like that. Oh, and cool. so I have been exposed to that world through them. Um, Quite much more heavily than like I have ever kind of really like, you know, like I picked up issues of Granta and stuff like that here and there, but I've never really been in steeped in the world the way they have mm-hmm. until, you know, I, we started dating and, um, you know, I look at the number of people like that number of places there that are like, don't pay or pay very, very little or only pay like honoraria for special things and things like that. And all the people that are working, like they're, they're just volunteering to run these lit mags. Yep. Um, because that's the only way it works. And like, you know, then I look at kind of like the way we do that in the games world. And like, I'm just like, Whoa, like we, we really have like kind of just bought into this that like, you know, we are all the same thing as Kotaku. Right. We all have like, you know, vice money or 10 cent money or whatever. And like, everyone should be paying you $300 an article. And even that's underpaying. And like, yo, I agree. Like I would love to get paid more. I would love to pay people more for their work. And that's just not the world we live in. Right. But at the same time, that is 100% the world that Tim Rogers and H bomber guy <laughs> and like all these other, like, you know, people that are making just shit tons. Nick Robinson. Oh God. Nick Robinson has fucking like gets more for his Patreon than like anyone I know doing way more work. Like it's, it's yeah. absurd. And like the, I, I think you hit on something really important there, which is like, it's not it, it, like the, I feel like the, the, like the fuck you pay me thing is coming from like a really important place, but at the same point, it's just like completely misunderstood as like, okay, yeah, uh, fuck you pay me, but also, uh, fuck anyone who can't pay like, and, uh, and, and everything should be like, you know, we have we have the ideal salaries in our mind. We have sort of like what we should be paid and what we're worth. And then like instead of using that as a way to, you know, I, I don't know, like I'm not sure what you'd use it as a way to do. I, I guess I guess that's something that I 
I can't I can't envision the way forward. But at the same point, using it as a cudgel to say like, well, look, like this place doesn't pay. Like let's let's like doesn't pay well. Let's let's ruin them. Is just like it it misses the point almost entirely. Like I, I feel right. like there's a lot of small places that like. Yeah, so like, uh, uh, not in gaming, but like uh, baseball prospectus. I wrote for baseball prospectus for a long time because, um, like, I have done a little bit of sports writing here and there. And baseball prospectus pays peanuts. Uh, like, they used to pay slightly bigger peanuts. And then, like, I started writing for my friend Pat Dubuque, who is just the sweetest person. Like, he he self bound two books of of the writing we did for his vertical and sent it to all the authors. Like, just like an incredibly generous person could not pay me very much. And it's like, that's not, I, I had some people be like, oh, baseball perspectives. They, they're such like, they should, they should be paying more. And it's like, if they don't have the money to pay me more then they can't pay me more. Like it's not, that's not a moral failing. That's a failing, uh, the same failing I have that I can't like, you know, I can't tip 300% every time I go to the, go to a diner. Like, it's the exact same thing. And it's like, that's just a, that's a, that's a nuance that I don't think we have right now. Yeah. And it's, 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 it is like, you know, it's like the fuck you pay me thing was very important when we were talking about places like, you know, the Huffington post and the Atlantic and being like, Oh, we'll pay you an exposure. And it's like, you know, fuck you. We know your advertising dollars. Like, right. Exactly. But like, But like, it's like, for me, like as a writer, it's, it's always been so frustrating. Like when I will take a pitch to Waypoint and they'll be like, we're out of our freelancer budget for the, like this month or the next couple of months. Yeah. Or like anytime I go to someplace and they're like, we don't have, we're, we can't do freelancers this year. Cause like they cut our budget. Um, and like, I'm just like, I just want to write like, yep. <laughs> it's really, it's really dumb. And that's why like, I love pace so much right now because like, yeah um when people find out like what pace pays they kind of like like look at me like i've like they're like you put so much work into these pieces for 75 bucks and i'm just like well yeah because (laughs) i care about the work and like it's really funny because i going back to the way in which i came into this industry um i really did kind of come in with a very few people are here to actually help me or want to be my friend or want to have kind of like, you know, a real relationship with me and my work. Um, so we are going to put our guards up. Right. And the few people I found that really like, you know, someone like Lee Alexander or, um, you know, Austin Walker, yeah. or Rob Zachney, like people like I have made people that like, I am ride or die for. Yeah. Um, but like a lot of people never earned that actively did not do anything to do anything other than me, put me into an oppositional position with them. And like, all I've really wanted to do was do interesting work, work that, you know, mattered to someone, not a lot of people. Like, I mean, I would say half of my writing is me trying to just communicate to like my mom. Mm. Like I've written so many pieces that were just like, I'm writing a letter to my mother hmm. and I'm hiding it in criticism. Hmm. Um, 
you know, Rob always jokes about Dia plays the hits with these kind of anecdotes about my personal life. And it's funny because I think about, you know, am I a critic? What is criticism? What is the point of criticism? Am I using, you know, uh, I was an English major. I, uh, I hung out with me too. <laughs> all of, all of my professors were like die hard new critics, you know, like I just oh. grew up to see these mean old, like 60 to 70 year old, just, you know, grim new critics. And it was great. Some of the most fun uh, people to learn from, honestly. Like it was, it was, it was really good. And like, they, you know, definitely encouraged and taught other modes and other frame critical frameworks. And I, you know, I read everything that like, you know, you're supposed to read and, you know, I've, you know, I, I've, you know, I, I've, I've done my, you know, time with Bart and Adorno and just like, when it comes down to it at the end of the day, like a lot of what we really do is read a response as games critics. Yep. Absolutely. And like, like it's really, that's really all it is. And so it's always funny to me because like I will have these, you know, um, I did a piece, uh, for waypoint and I actually was like, you know, I should go back and reread, you know, camera Lucida. <laughs> and I did. And it was kind of like, okay, um, I'll write this piece now and Austin will edit it and this will be fun because Austin has this much more internalized than I do. And, um, like I realized just how much of, I have this kind of all of this critical theory and framework just jammed up in my head Mm -hmm. that I never really actively use, but it's there kind of just part of like how I operate in existence now. And it's part of my reader response. Um, there's also so something kind of, very gorgeous about you uh, writing letters to your mother in, in criticism and then turning to camera lucida uh, like and, and, and Bart's <laughs> inability to describe the photo of his mother. That's uh, that's that's wonderful. I just from, you know, just as as a critic yeah. looking in like I, I love that. <laughs> well, and like it's it's so like it is it's those things like, um, you know, I um, I wrote this piece about like that was just very extremely uh, harshly condemnatory of this, um, one tabletop role-playing system that was being kickstarted. Um, and really the part of that, that really everyone takes away from is me describing my experiences playing shadow run in high school. Mm. And, you know, just like having found the handful of like queer Brown kids and playing shadow run on our own terms, which, if I get to review Cyberpunk 2077, that's absolutely going to come back as like, you know, in some form, I'm sure it's going to be a part of how I review that game because that is my understand, like that is my understanding of how Cyberpunk in play yeah. works, you know. Um, and in play being both, uh, like I'm, I'm assuming you're once again using uh, words from your your critical toolbox there, like play as a sort of like, mode of of reading as well the kind of like right yeah 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 so it's 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 always fun um you know like i just i operate kind of on whim Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um that definitely makes like you know working as a critic um a lot of times what I'm kind of backed into the corner of is having to be the, 
you know, the voice of opposition or, you know, the, the angry, the angry brown person uh-huh. or the angry queer person. Um, and a lot of times I am, yeah. I am the angry brown person. I am the angry queer person. And I'm upset by, you know, the fact that we have continued to give Blizzard pass after pass after pass. And I understand like, you know, in order to actually have the kind of criticism and like the, the really the work that this industry needs, you need to have a writer that is willing to do the work Mm -hmm. and you need to have an editor that is willing to stand up for that writer and like do that. Yeah. But then also they both have to be willing, you know, the editor has to be willing to like lose relationships over this, Mm -hmm. to lose jobs over this. Like, and that just can't really happen. It's, it's certainly not very common. I would say like, I, I, yeah, I feel like, you know, like the people at waypoint in their sort of like, professional flexibility the fact that austin left to go do something else entirely um like the that seems to be like a place where people were willing to sort of be like yeah this isn't like this isn't my life forever i'm willing to to try something new which i never thought about as a reason why it was sort of a uniquely interesting place but that may be a big part of it yeah um and it's funny because um i guess there was the thread going around earlier about like um on twitter i guess like last week about um have you ever gotten the phone call from the publisher about oh. something you wrote <laughs> and austin austin talked about that and I, I just kind of just like i didn't really have anything to say but i just kind of jumped in was just like you know thank you for if you got those phone calls or emails about me for keeping it from me mm-hmm. and not putting that shit on me and yeah you know if you did get those i'm sorry but Thank you for always letting me be honest and, you know, forthright in my writing. Yeah. And I think like it, I'm, that, that, that is great. Like, I think, you know, there's a, the only two times I've ever had any experience with like some of the things you're talking about and like thinking about editors is like two things comes to mind, which is like the one was I wrote uh, an academic article, like, and you know, if, if I'm, if I'm feeling really good about myself or like, you know, had maybe two beers, I'll tell you that it's the, the only games criticism worth reading. Um, but it, if I'm being honest, it's a, it's a fine piece. It's, you know, it's probably part of a, a series of things that are coming out that are worth reading. Um, I'm sure I'm not at the vanguard of it, but it was on uh, gone home and the talus principle. It was part of my dissertation that I turned into an article. And like in that, I talked about this game called the talus principle, which is fine. But ultimately I argued has this like super libertarian, you know, knowledge lives on in the robot man sort of approach like kill god so good i can finally remove that from my playstation 4 wish list because i it kept intriguing me and i kept never pulling the trigger on it so it's fun as like a portal like like it's it's enjoyable (laughs) there's like there's the puzzles are good i just think like so ultimately in the talos principle you're you're this uh automaton uh effectively after the the world ends and you're trying to learn all the knowledge that mankind ever had but it's all you know flawed and and you know there are archives missing and stuff um but there's also this you know benevolent creator who tells you that like oh don't stray too far away from me like this knowledge is is bad knowledge and stuff like that and in the end the kind of good ending of the game you defy god and uh and the last screen is you the the automaton uh, embarking out into the world to start anew and 
it always struck me as like, well, this is just like, this is individualism. Like all you're, all you're doing is like doing individualism again. Um, and the creator of that game or one of the creators of that game found me on Twitter. Um, I guess he has a fairly robust Twitter following. I'm not sure. Um, but he found me on Twitter and that he, and he was like, uh, Hey, we quoted Trotsky in the game. We're definitely Marxists. I was like, I don't really know where to start with this. I'm, I don't know how to respond to this. Like, I was like, I don't, it's fine. I don't, it's like, it's just my reading of the game. And he got very upset with me. Um, and then when I reviewed death stranding, um, an editor, I won't, I don't even remember their name, so it doesn't really matter. But at EGM, which I had good experiences at EGM when it was briefly around, but, uh, um, I wrote the review of death stranding and one of the editors on the piece, uh, said I didn't earn the right in the article to say that the game was disappointing. And it was stuff like that where it's like I I realized all of a sudden that I'd been like so lucky to have the editors I had, so lucky to have the experiences I had with people reaching out that had been positive as opposed to just like flatly negative. Lucky and of course like privileged. I mean, you know, there's a difference. Like it's like people don't reach out to a white guy to complain as much. Um, I get that. Uh so yeah, no, I I hear you. It's like it again, like going back to this, the, the experience you had with like gamer gators, right? Like, or like people coming in and, and, uh, from, from Colin Moriarty and, and just like, uh, laying into you, like it's this invisible sort of, um, cost to the thing we all acknowledge of like, oh yeah, games writing fans and games fans are just kind of like a bunch of, a bunch of wild cards. Like, sorry, they're just, they're just a little weird. Um, all that stuff has like a, a very sort of serious cost as well. Yeah, and it was it was always kind of weird because um, I've always been, um, we'll say, reactive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, uh, I was definitely, um, you know, the kid who overturned the entire cauldron of Brunswick stew at my school's uh, reenactment of the first Thanksgiving. Yes, um, because they also they made me be a pilgrim. That's messed and up. So, yeah, so I was like, you know, being called like a savage at this, like by my classmates at the same time they were making me dress up as a fucking pilgrim. So yeah, um, so I have a bit of a reactiveness to people being shitty. Um, and so, like, you know, when I would get like, you know, people like writing to me telling me like, you know, stupid shit um, because I wrote an article they didn't like. Um, I would just like quote tweet them and just be like, you know, suck my dick from the back. Um, and like, it was weird because like, you know, I then would then apply this to like, you know, um, Cecilia D'Anastasio in one of her pieces, like basically called me an angry native American woman. Um, and I was kind of like quote tweet one look dignify me as a games journalist because i'm in the same industry as you two at no point in my entire life have i ever added the american to my identity it has always just been native or indigenous and that is it like i reject your american shit you could have fucking messaged me you got my you know you know my dms are open and like i just don't take shit because life is too short and I also don't tolerate bullshit and there's so much bullshit in this industry. And like, you know, I know, I know the reasons why no one wants to piss off Jeff Kaplan. Yep. 
I also don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. You know, I think about Jason Schreier's really great piece of journalism about, like, you know, the labor practices, like Naughty Dog and things like that. And, you know, I even remember, like, him writing about Rockstar. And, like, we did, we all did the Rockstar shitty labor shit, right? Yep. You know yep. how we do these things. And then turn around and game of the fucking year, game of the generation. This is it. This is an amazing triumph of the human will to make video games. 10 out of 10. Ugh. And it's like, fuck you. You know what this did to people. You know, people left this industry that they really, truly loved in the process of making this game because of how they were treated. Fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but then also at the same time, I'm like, so I personally, I have a, a questionable relationship with land acknowledgements, you know, with the, like, uh, you know, like we, we thank the, the so-and-so nation okay. for being on their land, that sort of thing that everyone does at the beginning of every panel these days. Mm -hmm. right. And like, I question them because I, you know, in one hand, it's like, okay, good. You're acknowledging it. But at the same time, you're also being like, yo, we're never giving this shit back. It's sorry. You, sorry. We took it, but it's ours now. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an acknowledgement in lieu of anything else. Yeah. And so more and more now that we're doing the whole labor practices thing and like, we're doing the, Oh, this was like made with like horrible crunch and Oh, you know, naughty dog buried a fucking sexual harassment allegation on a weekend. Um, we're, we're doing the thing where we're turning kind of like the, the game crunch, like the labor, the labor, like, you know, po you know, the labor problems into the land acknowledgement of the game review, <laughs> right? Where it's like, we, we link to, you know, the, the Jason Schreier piece for the last of us review and we go. But man, it's fucking beautiful. Like, have you seen Santa Barbara in this as you're slitting a cop's throat? It's incredible. And oh my God, the pathos. Like, this game is so incredible. Wow, AAA development is so incredible. But we'd be remiss if we didn't say, right, this game was made with some labor problems. 10 out of 10. Right. And like, I mean, even, it, it, I, I don't know, like even Jason's like career arc, right? Where like... It, Going, going to Forbes, right? Um, the going to fucking Bloomberg. Oh, I'm sorry. It was Bloomberg, not Forbes. Good Lord. Yeah. And, like, it was Bloomberg at, at the time Bloomberg was running for president and all the stuff about his labor practices, including uh, forcing prisoners to, to phone bank for him, right? Like, I, and I was like, I, was, I, I think I quote tweeted him, and I was like, this is disappointing. Like, I, you know, just, like, talk about completely selling out. Um and a ton of people, Jason too, were, were, and I don't, I don't really have a relationship with Jason. I, I think I burned most of my relationships with Kotaku when I did a podcast on Cecilia and uh, how vile uh, what she did to uh, the the survivor of the um, uh, yeah, yeah of that of was sexual assault. that was a good that was a good episode. Oh, thank uh, you. I, I was like so I listened mad. to that. I listened to it the other day actually because I was just like, how did I miss this one? I want to listen to this one. I want to see Cecilia get fucking trash because fuck her. Um, and yeah, yeah, I, I that was, was great. I was like, you know, I don't think I'm going to was, that was here, but who cares? Yeah. No, like, and like, you know, honestly, it's funny because like I have been, 
I had been up Jason Shire's ass for a long time. Um, uh, it started with him giving Red Dead Redemption to because uh, Kirk Hamilton gave Red Dead Redemption to just like the most lovingly thorough rim job I have ever fucking seen. <laughs> And then, like, Jason being like, this review is so incredible. Kirk is so incredible. Oh, my God. You know, Red Dead Redemption 2 and the way Kirk talks about it. It's like, motherfucker, you wrote the piece. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And, like, he and everyone, like, I guess a bunch of people defending him were like, well, in, in fairness, uh, Bloomberg's uh, editorial and tech stuff is uh, is pretty pretty separate from uh, from Bloomberg himself. And the It's like, are you kidding me? Like, do you really yeah. think that any critical labor, like a serious critical labor journalist would be hired at Bloomberg. Give me a break. And it, yeah. And then like, yeah. and then when he, when, when he did the salary thing, cause we were all, all the white guys in, in games right. were doing their salary. Like this is my salary history. And it was like, okay, oh, all you're his. doing is making. Yeah. And his whole, so well, I've only been here for a couple of weeks, so I think it would be inappropriate to, <laughs> you know, share my salary at Bloomberg. And it was like, fuck you. That's the whole point. The whole point is that management doesn't like this shit. Yeah. And, now, and that they use it to control us. And now I know. And now I know what it is. Like, you don't have to tell me. It's more than your other jobs. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. And like, so like, that's the thing. It's just like, I'm just, you know, I... I don't like the cowardly, the cowardly white guys and the people who like, you know, like rep for them. And I'm not going to just not talk shit. Yeah. And because like, that's, I mean, that's the thing is like, I came in, these are the people who are making the decisions about what to write about my entry into this world. And they weren't there for me. So fuck them. Yeah. Why would you be there for them? <laughs> like, you know, it's like, okay, you put me in the crossfire, I will put you right back, and it's just going to be me this time. You don't get the whole horde, you get me, <laughs> and I'll show you what a horde I can be. <laughs> you know, I, I, like, I, and I guess this is sort of like, I just realized I kept you two hours, I'm so sorry. Um, oh, no, uh, I'm, I'm having a blast, oh, let's good. do it. All right, all right, cool. Uh, but, like, you know, like, one of, the, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot is sort of the, the way that you know the the games journalism and it's not just you but like uh, you and a number of other people right like the the idea of say like going back to your judgment review right where like it's the review of the city or the review of like the idea of of like the 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 representation in the game as opposed to uh the 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 gameplay or whatever since you know as you say like if you play the yakuza game you know what you're getting into here you know the plot's gonna be probably fine whatever um I was wondering, like, when I was listening, I was like, that's, like, that's the kind of game's crit that is needed at this point. Like, no one really needs a review, right, of, I mean, so, like, th like I'm thinking about, like, um, uh, uh, Last of Us 2. Like, who, who really needs, like, the review of Last of Us 2 that says whether it's a game that needs to be bought or not? Like, I, I don't think anyone needs that review. I think people need the review of, like, okay, like, here's what the characters are doing in Last of Us 2, and here's why it's, well, I mean, I would write the one way up uh, here's why it's bad um here's sort of like you know as you say like the labor practices and like why that makes the game like a game we should not be playing or a game like however you want to play it like those kind of like ancillary readings of games are like it seems like the only ones that actually would matter at this point point. and I, I was wondering to myself like why is that not why why are they not more popular and i guess like 
the reason is because I think they're all viewed as um, critical and, and not in like the uh, critic way, but critical in the way of saying like you're being mean. Um, and that seems to be like the one thing you can't do in this industry is be ever, ever be like perceived as mean. Yeah. Um, like it's definitely, you know, um, I, I know that like, you know, this podcast will come out and some people will see it and there will be a surge of talking about how unprofessional I am on locked Twitter. And I'm fine with that. Like, hi, I know you're all doing it. It's fine. I don't give a shit. Um, your professionalism hasn't really gotten you all that much. <laughs> Eat my ass. <laughs> um, yeah, like it's just really funny because, like, um, and I was I was talking to some friends about this who were kind of more entrenched in games journalism the other day about, like, you know, um, if they were earlier in their careers, whether or not they would be associating with me or they would be questioning whether they should be, and I'm like, yeah, I understand, like. I, I go to war on Twitter with like whoever. I don't give a fuck. Um, I guess like, like I guess I just don't like. I guess I've been in. I guess my entry into all of this has been Twitter. So like I don't get. I don't get the. I don't get the stigma of that. Like I that just makes sense to me. Like that's what. If you're an interesting writer, you should be willing to do that. It's funny because so. Um, one of the first pieces of like real of like you know literary criticism that I read in college was um, oh god I can't remember who wrote it but it was a criticism of um, oh god is it Wordsworth that wrote the poem the idiot boy yeah that, that's that's a Wordsworth poem yeah yeah it's Wordsworth and I can't remember who wrote the 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 essay about it but it was basically just. It was saying that Wordsworth is the idiot boy. <laughs> They're right. And that, like, you know, he's just this lost, developmentally disabled child in the woods. Oh. And it was just the most scathing thing. And I think about, like, you know, all the early criticism before that where, like, you know, God, all the early modernists calling each other cucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you look at the history of criticism among, like, you know, like the the white canon writers and it's just like, they are brutal. Oh, they're so they mean. are absolutely the meanest motherfuckers you would ever see. Like, you know, I mean, God, we fucking everyone loves to quote the like the Catullus thing. Like, I have never told anyone on Twitter, like, I will fuck your skull. <laughs> I I think the meanest things I've ever heard anyone say were uh it, it's always so funny seeing the the um like the 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 stupid poll uh the reddit sub subgroup people who are just like the worst uh people masquerading as leftists online um do their do their whole anti id poll thing um knowing that like the one of the people i studied under is like a, a walter ben michaels who was like a big time like early early subscriber to like hey maybe a lot of the the, ID, the identity politics uh, are being co-opted by capital uh, school of thinking um, and does not like it is not a, like it, yeah wh whatever it's a longer conversation but he he is um, like the things he says to people are truly and like you know it makes the compliments better uh, it's like the the upshot of it I guess is teaching strategy but I have heard him say things to people that are just like completely brutal like he said to a friend of mine 
what did he say? He said, uh, oh, a friend said, I think I can do the intentionalist argument, which is like his his first big sort of argument that he did. He did, he did an argument about intentionalism and author intentionality. Um, and, and Michaels looks at him and goes, I no more believe that you can do that than that you could jump out of the window, uh, jump out of this 20, 20th floor window, fly around the building and come right back in. <laughs> <laughs> Just like I, uh, after my first my first paper I wrote for him, he said, like, hey, Trevor, um, uh, you, you know, I, I think you're super smart. I think you're super serious. Uh, but um, if you ever write a paper like this again in a conference, you will be laughed out of the room. Um, like no one's willing to say that stuff, but. As mean as it can be, it could also be very helpful and clarifying, I guess. Like, it could be very clarifying to have someone say, like, hey, what you did here is the worst thing I've seen. Like, I I despise what you've done. Um, because you at least have to, at that point, be like, okay, either I have to decide that this person is wrong and defend this, or I have to acknowledge that I didn't do a very good job. And both of those are kind of better than the the thing we're at in the middle here where people are like... No, everything is good. Like everything is sort of like this general level of good. Nothing can be bad, except if it's like, uh, except if we find out that someone committed a crime, then we can start saying bad things about them. Um, but up until that point, please be nice. Yeah, but it might also take us six years to get to that oh, point. Oh God, yeah. Like so the the yeah the the cards get uh, oh Temkin, yeah. Like I've been blocked by Max Temkin for years now, and like finally seeing people being like, oh, it's okay to shit on Max Temkin, and like who like specifically told me, yo, he's really important and powerful and you can't be talking like this on Maine about Max Temkin. And I'm like, fuck you. Blocked. Yeah. <laughs> like the number of people and people like, even people that like I had like thought I respected, like telling me like, you can't be talking like this. Like, or even like when I like, I blew up on Cecilia when she called me a native American woman, an angry native American woman. And they were like, yo, you can't do that. That's my colleague, blah, 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 blah. Like this industry is really small. And I'm just like, I don't care if this industry is that small and we have to be nice about this shit. I do not want to be a part it's of it. It's not an I yeah. will be here. It's not worth it's it. It's not worth saving at that point. Like if I end up like, you know, arguing my way out of an entire industry, fucking so be it. <laughs> like... I don't like it's not it's not worth putting up with the, just fucking business as usual and playing nice and polite um, to people who are truly awful and who you never know. Like you might find out five years later that like, oh, they're actually like a total like predator. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how many people were deferential to Nick Robinson? How many people were deferential to like I, the list goes on, obviously, like it's it's and like, yeah, I think, like, you know. Polygon never said anything about Phil Kohler. Nope. Nope. They, they buried that. We, 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 they, they wished Nick Robinson the best of luck. Like it was like, we wish him well in this future. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like, this is how we treat white guys who are actual predators and, uh, you know, abusers and creeps. And yet, you know, I quote tweet Jason Schreier going to like his, his article about moving over to, to Bloomberg with the picture of a cut scene of, from Final Fantasy VII Remake where Barrett says, you know, uh, all it takes for evil to happen is for a bad man to do nothing. <laughs> like, and it's just like, I'm going to use this. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take this little shot and just put this over top of your quote. And then boom, blocked. And then boom, 
You're like, oh my God, D is so unprofessional and they, they're just terrible. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, man. Sure. That sucks. I like, like, I just, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Like, I don't get, I, you know what? That's wrong. I do get it. I get what they're doing and I get the whole point, right? Like it's, it's respectability politics in the way of saying like, we will be against the things that are easy to be against. And on the things that are hard to be against, we will say, we respect your opinion. If you respect our opinion and that's, that's it. Um, yeah. And like, yeah, the worst thing is it's people who like, it's when it's people who understand what respectability politics is and how regressive respectability politics can be and the way in which, they 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 will reject respect they'll you know they will say like oh fuck respectability politics like you know suck my dick from the back about things that are quote unconsequential um but then when it's like a colleague or someone that they think they could use for a job in the future or a relationship with you know a publisher then it's suddenly yeah no that's unprofessional it's like fuck off one of the best things i i think i can say about my um my literary agent, uh, this guy named uh, Eric Kane on Twitter. Uh, he's Eric Kane on Twitter. He's all, his name is also Eric Kane off Twitter, uh, which is you know just a, a neat trick. Uh, but um, I think one of the best things that I and I have a lot of good things to say mm-hmm. about him. But one of the best things I can say about him is like he has never ever stopped me from going off on like long rants on things that could conceivably. Uh, make things harder for him in terms of selling my books. Like, he, he'll he'll always be like, "Yeah, I totally agree with you." Like, that's uh, these people are monsters, or like uh, he'll go harder even than I would have initially, and I'll be like, "Okay, all right, yep, that's a good example." And like, I I feel like I feel like there's something at a certain point you have to ask yourself, and and like like you did, like if in order to stay in this industry, I have to be deferential to people who I feel are doing things that I disagree with or disapprove of and think are hurting others. Do I want to be in this industry? And I I don't think people think about that. No. And it's, it's so funny because like everyone I know is constantly like, why the fuck are we doing this? Why are we in this industry? This industry sucks. Fuck games. Games were a mistake. Games journalism was a mistake. Like the number of times I see that, the number of times I say it, (laughs) like, it's like, you know, and like I think like the important thing is that like games aren't special. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I like games. I like I think they are an interesting, you know, genre for me to talk about things that are interesting to me. They've been a part of my life since I was a very small child. Um and you know, there's stuff there that I can talk about that um is more interesting than if I went to go and did like, you know, criticism of film or fiction or you know, television, like the, I am less interested in those things, mm-hmm. um, uh, as, as a, as a writer of criticism. Um, and so that's why I'm here and I'm here until it stops being fun. <laughs> and like, I guess, honestly, I guess it's, I'm here until it stops being interesting for me is less than it stops being fun because it stopped being fun from day one. But interesting um, but every is the now thing. And then. Like people make fun of me. Like I, I the going meme in my in my Discord is like I always my my go to responses. Oh, that's super interesting. But like and and I should come up with better responses. Let's be clear. Uh, but but like interesting is like the that, that's the bare minimum. That's like what that's what it should be. Like there shouldn't be 
articles published where you're just like, oh, yeah, I guess people needed to publish that, whatever. Like, oh, yeah, I guess, like, whatever, like, thing got... Uh, uh, there was a Kotaku article on... Um, I'm writing about Final Fantasy XIV in, uh, a lot in the book because it's a super interesting game to me. And, like, one of the one of the thing one of the pieces in it is this uh, place called Eureka. Um, I don't know if you stuck with the game long enough to to see that. I think it was after Stormblood, but the um, it's just this. Basically, it's like a grind fest. Um, and Kotaku wrote an article on it, um, basically saying it's like the worst thing that is in Final Fantasy fourteen. It, like it totally sucks. And I I. I quoted it in, in my draft and I was like, yeah, you know, like I, I get why people would say this, but like, actually there's something kind of interesting about this. And like, uh, ultimately that kind of describes what I feel about video games where like, I don't so much care if people think the game is good. Um, that's, you know, cool. If you like it, um, it's fun to talk about, like I will, you know, happily like talk about how cool I think, uh, my favorite demons are in Nocturne all night. That's, that's fine. Like that's fun. But, like, the good is far less important than the interesting. Like, if it does something interesting, bring that up. The The articles where it's like, oh, a new update's out, is it good or not? Like, I don't, I, and you know what? Like, I'm not saying these people should be fired. I'm not trying to do the monkey's paw thing where, like, all of a sudden all games journalism disappears tomorrow and people are suddenly, like, scrambling. Um, but I don't know why that's there. Like, I don't know who that's for anymore. Um, yeah. Well, it, yeah. It's, it's, it's weird because I, I think about like, okay, who is doing the reviews for The Last of Us 2 and thinking that it matters? Right. <laughs> like, like, The Last of Us 2 is going to come out, or it came out, and we know how many copies it's going to sell because it's the fucking Last of Us 2. It's the thing that Sony is putting all of its money behind. Yeah, it's going to sell you know, a bajillion like, copies. Right. It, it, could, um, it could truly be like it could be the worst game of all time and it would sell a bajillion copies. Right. Like it's it reminds me of um, uh, uh, Jackson um, wrote this um, at heads falls off on Twitter. Uh, good person. Follow them because they're, they're smart and they're good. Oh, Jackson's great. Of yeah. Mapping. One of my, one yeah, of my, one um, of the people I really enjoy following a lot. Yeah. Like um, Jackson Tyler wrote this piece. Um, for this God of War series that we wrote um, for D-Orbital mm-hmm. um, uh, called The Game of the Generation. I think it was the title of the piece. And it was basically, we know what this game is. We know what it's going to do. We know it's going to sell. This is what we do. We do this all the time. <laughs> we do this every year. And then, like, you know, depending on where it comes out in the year, we either drop off talking about it for, like, a f- couple of months and then it comes back for game of the year season. It's the game of the generation. It sells a billion copies and this is how we are. <laughs> and like, so it was really funny. So like the last of us Two review embargo dropped. And the first thing I did was, um, I quote tweeted, uh, or, uh Patrick Klepek's, uh, article about the naughty dog, uh, sexual harassment allegations and just said, here's my, oh, oh, the embargo's up. Here's my review of The Last of Us 2. <laughs> and, then, and then I quote, then I, then I tweeted out Jackson's Game of the Generation article and said, basically, everything that you could say about The Last of Us 2, you, this applies to, this is it. it. Yeah. Like, there's nothing else to say. I remember, like, I, I, um, 
in uh, like the two games I ended up reviewing, maybe ever, uh, for like an actual <laughs> games. Uh, people don't generally trust me with the reviews. They don't think I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I don't, I don't really bring the sizzle with the steak. Um, but uh, <laughs> they. Uh, but they were both kind of AAA like big releases. I reviewed Death Stranding, and then I also reviewed um, Half Life Alex. Um, but the. I got those. My my review of um, World of Horror was not uh, not taken up, so I did try. But um, the like, I remember in the Death Stranding review. I think it was either it was either Alex or Death Stranding. I tried doing like I was like, oh, I wonder what like is this a review? It was Alex because like the Death Stranding review, they were like, this is a critical review. We'll have like a like a normal review too. So I just wrote a big thing about how like. I had fun playing this game. Um, I the mechanics though are just that's just like totally a taste thing. Uh, the story is incon like incomprehensible and at best and at worst it is just like uh, an extreme betrayal of any sort of progressive uh, front it lays up. Um, and uh, people had you know nominal reactions to it. But in Alex, I was like, is this actually like a review? Do I have to like say if you should buy this? And so at the end, I was like. If you have a VR machine and you want to have like a game that is uh, sort of like a, a good VR game, this is good. Please do not buy a VR rig for it. That would be a huge mistake that Valve wants you to make. And um, and they were like, I don't know if you want this to be a review, you have to put a number in. Um, I because of Metacritic, this doesn't read like a review to me though. <laughs> I was like, okay, no, it's not. I, I, take that out. Like I I don't want to re- recommend anything to anyone. Like I'm done. Um, so yeah, like I, I can't imagine being in the position where I'm like, oh, like, you know, X blockbuster game that reminds me of every other X blockbuster game is a must buy. Like, it's just, it feels very like, I I think like more than it feels gross or like, like I'm I'm selling out or something. It just feels kind of like, I don't know, wrong or like, uh, meaningless. Yeah, it's it's funny because, um, you know, uh, paste makes me put review scores because um, they they still they they still are all about the review scores, even though Garrett hates them and I hate them. But um, I've just started to have fun with them. Oh, OK, um, like I'm just kind of like, OK, what can I do criticism within this very narrow window of zero to ten? <laughs> and so like, um you know, I think my favorite ones is um, uh, Luigi's Mansion 2, um, which I really loved. And I wrote, you know, this review about, like, how much fun I had playing it for review with my partner um, on the couch. Just like, you know, me as Luigi and sometimes as Luigi just like swapping off and all the fun things about it. And it just like it's it's almost entirely like one of my more straightforward reviews. OK, Um it's just it happens to be like in the context of this is a game in which playing it as you know in, in a relational with another person concept is much more interesting than playing it by yourself but it's still fun by itself and i wasn't sure how to score it mm-hmm. until i was kind of reading over my thing and i was kind of just talking with uh, colin space twinks and we basically were like, oh, this is why seven out of 10 games are good. This is a seven out of 10. <laughs> like, this is, 
this is truly what we mean by a seven out of 10. And that's so important. And like this review, like, you know, I'm kind of like reworking the review to be like, this is why seven out of tens are so good and important and why we do need them. Um, that's really good. And why not all games should be, you know, 10 out of tens or whatever. Um, and then, um, I had to review pathologic two where uh-huh. I asked to, I asked to review pathologic two and, um, I, I'm really not allowed to give games perfect scores. Okay. Um, if I could, I would probably have given pathologic Two a perfect score. Oh, that's great. I was, I was waiting. I didn't, I didn't want to be effusive if it turned out you hated it. So, like, oh, you didn't, I didn't end up reading. You didn't read my, I didn't read your review. I, I, I didn't know you had uh, that review. We keep missing our rev- stuff. I'm going to start DMing you when I release things. If you DM me when you release. Okay. okay. That's a, that's a promise. That that sounds that sounds great. It was really funny because listening to Kevin's episode with you, and I was like, I, it was really funny because I kind of got low key, like kind of like miffed because um, <laughs> when Kevin was talking about how they were reading the reviews and everyone was missing the point about failure and death and dying in in Pathology <laughs> Two, I'm like, fuck you! I was first out the gate with, you know, <laughs> this game will want this game is a, is going to kill you, and that's wonderful. Like my whole thing is that like, you know, like uncertainty and failure are what this game is trying to teach you. And it's so perfect and beautiful because of that. I'm going to go read your review um, after we're done here. Just, just so I, just so I can. And then I'm going to go and edit the episode and not tell anyone just so they're, you know, just so it's there. in the <laughs> um, but, um, No, that, that you were right to be miffed. <laughs> but, um, but um, yeah, so, um, so I, I was, I was, I would like to state for the record that, I was there pro failure and death and dying. Um, and then I ended up when um, they wrote, when they kind of made the difficulty slider um, uh, patch, mm-hmm. uh, I got to write about accessibility versus difficulty and easy modes and things like nice. that about pathologic too, which was really fun. I do remember that article. Yeah. So like, it was fun um, getting to do that, but um, with pathologic too, um, you know, like, I'm friendly with like, you know, Kat Manning and, and Bruno Diaz on Twitter. And like, I am like, you know, like I'm tight with Kevin and I was kind of like, well, shit, you know what I'm going to, because, because, um, you know, uh, ethics and games journalism, I am going to knock off, you know, 0.5 because I can't give this game a perfect score anyway. So I'll give it a 9.5 just because like, fuck this whole system of you're not allowed to like do anything without like the assumption that you are ethically and pure and completely divorced from any kind of affiliation with anyone in this industry. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you, you have to be a games journalist with connections, but none of those connections can ever inform your, uh, your work ever because you're a robot. Well, like it's like um, my friend um, Santo. Um, what's the thing? What I can't remember their Twitter name. Anyway, um, uh, I should look this up. You can cut this part while I look up what Santo's actual main Twitter handle is. I think it's is it Babicoth. Um, they made. Um, uh, yeah, it's 
B-A-B-B-Y-G-O-T-H, Babby Goth. And they um, are uh, just like this badass, you know, indigenous developer um, who made Don't Wake the Night. Okay. And so here's the thing about like being indigenous is that like we're like two to four percent of the global population. (laughs) Okay. Um, And so when indigenous people are in a space, we kind of tend to find each other (laughs) and like because like there's not a lot of us. And there's not a lot of us that, like, understand each other, like, as well as they, we do. So, like, you know, as soon as I was in games, like, boom, I started having friends that were indigenous game devs because, like, that's all we have. Like, we, we had each other. Right. Like, and so now I can't review their games. <laughs> but I'm really, like, one of the only people in game reviews that's qualified to like actually kind of talk about the issues in play in a lot of these games because there are not a whole lot of indigenous game critics. No, there aren't. Like we we're here, but you got to really look. Yeah. It's it. That's, I mean, that's like the thing, right? Where like that is the moment or that's the kind of example where like you, the idea of being totally divorced from the product is, is so, I don't know. It so misses the point. Like I don't want someone totally divorced from that product. I want someone who understands the issues, even if they're going to say like, yeah, my friend made this and I love it. Like, uh, you know, uh, I don't care if it's for you or not, you should buy it. Like that is much less important than someone being like, yeah, actually like, um, so here's what this game is about. Like, I'd much rather read your review of that than I don't know. Like, uh, I, I'm trying to then Jason Triers. Well, just, I'll just pick someone we've already been mean to. Well, and like um, you know, I think of it like how is my relation like? Okay, if you know, let's just let's assume I don't want to I don't want to hurt my friends' feelings about their game, or I want them to you know succeed because of their game and things like that. So I like big up their game right in a review. Okay, like that's. One, that's not doing criticism. And two, um, how is that any different than, well, we can't piss off Sony. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, I can't, I can't say and anything. Like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to burn my bridges over at Naughty Dog. So I have to, I can't say anything weird about Druckmann. Yeah. Like it's, it's just, it's weird to me that like, you know, we have this whole problem and it's just like, come on, this is like, you know, I slap, you, you slap a, you know, a disclosure on it. Like I slapped a disclosure on like, I'm like, Hey, I'm, you know, like uh, the people that like, you know, localize this game. I'm, I, I know them. We talk sometimes because people in the games industry talk to one another. Um, yeah. And like, I gave it a 9.5, but like, um, you know, it's just, it's just dumb. But then like the, the thing that made me think about uh, the, the space of criticism was um, my Shenmue 3 review. Oh, yeah. Which I I gave it a 9.9 <laughs> because I was like, this is almost a perfect game, but this game understands that perfection is not an achievable thing. <laughs> and so oh. we, will just, we will just do that. And like I, always, I tried to talk Garrett to letting me do like a nine point nine nine repeating nine nine yeah, and I was just like, and he was just like, we're just gonna give it a nine point nine. Stop this. 
you're you're insane you know it's like okay that's why i think that's why like i i would make a very bad editor at this point because if someone explained that to me and they were like no it's really funny like this is my point i'd be like that's very funny it has to be so far repeating that it breaks the site like (laughs) yeah that was that was like i was kind of like what if we just do just really just like just carry it out like you know like a hundred decimal places it has it has to make um, every other part of the site unusable or else it has completely missed the point yeah but like it was like you know, I, I'm kind of like, now I've kind of like made my peace with review scores because I can find like, I'm like, oh no, here's another little space in which I can do things. Or like, even when I'm choosing art, um, here's another space I can, I can do things with. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, like again, like it, it comes down to like, I either have to be having, I have to be interested in what, what's going on because also like writing is exhausting. Yeah. It's tiring. Um, like, and I talked about it, like, you know, Gossett and I've talked about it, like when I would write a piece for uh, my year end pieces for Waypoint, um, I would put so much of myself into them that f- January was a write off. Mm. Like I wasn't going to do anything in January because I was just like, I need to recover from, you know, burying myself into these 4,000 words yeah. that we then like chopped down into 2,500 and like, you know, it was just, I was done. Um, which is why like with paste is kind of nice because... I can, I can write shorter things. Garrett actually prefers to me to write shorter things. And I just keep fucking writing longer things for him. Yeah. That but, sounds um, right. That, but I can, I, I, I can relate with that. <laughs> I can do things that are like restorative to me. Mm-hmm. Like I think about like my, um, I did read a piece about Hitman two and Susan Sontag. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was fun because, you know, like, as I say in the piece, Susan and I have, we have a, a complicated relationship, me as a photographer and writer and her as a essayist about photography. Um, and uh, I know Cameron, Cameron Kenzelman rolled his eyes about me taking the um, subliminal murder uh, passage that Susan Sontag uh, goes off on a tear about uh, seriously. <laughs> but I was kind of like, what if, like, it's like, 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 let's just, let's just follow this. Like, what if, you know, you can't do that. Like, if I'm going to, if I was going to go do like real, you know, academic work and just be like, yeah, we're going to fucking take on photography, dead serious, literal, let's talk about taking a photograph of someone is murder. But like, and let's go so with this it. This is what's funny. And like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't want to tell you about yourself. That's a terrible thing for an, uh, an interviewer to do. But um, now that we're chatting, uh, like I, it's funny to me that you that you say that you're like you're you're ambivalent about your identity as a critic because like everything you're doing to my mind as someone who is trained as a critic to the point of getting a PhD, um, which if you get a job you're actually less of a critic. So I I am, I am at the peak of my field. Um, the the like everything you're saying is like is actually good criticism <laughs> like if you oh well thank if you. you took if you took sontag seriously and said like let's actually break this down and and analyze this and do it as like uh like the only thing i could even imagine someone saying at like um uh i mean i don't know i like i would have to obviously like i'm not saying like so you know you're you're you should just go like submit that idea to a to a journal um because they'd make it boring but the like the 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 concept would like literally the only step that's left to take and a step that I, I know you make because I, I read your game work, like is, is saying like, okay, so like, why does it matter that we took this literally? Like that kind of leap is, is like what, 
good criticism does, I think. Like, I think that's exactly it. It's not, you know, there is a value to being stayed and close to the text and stuff like that. But I think more and more, especially as things get harder and weirder in the world, um, it's okay to just be like, you know what, let's take this old thing and just like toss it on its head and see what happens with that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was like, well, thank you for all that. Also, um, I guess it's weird. It's like, it's just, it's weird. Um, you know, my, my first piece in the world as like someone who was learning about criticism was, um, we had to do, uh, my, uh, the chair of our English department, this very just stern, um, but warm, uh, Romanian professor. Uh, he was actually, I think he was an editor of one of the Norton anthologies. Okay. Um, like just very, you did not want to fuck with him kind of vibes. Individual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, was the chair of the English department at VCU of all places. So it was kind of like, well, okay, cool. Um, he, um, I, I wrote my reader response paper on, uh, we had to do, it was, we had to do reader response on Ethan Brand. Okay. All right. And just, (laughs) I just could fucking not. And so I was just, I was me at the time. I was, I was, you know, the, the, the child who, you know, was precocious and constantly told that like they were, you know, too brilliant to be slacking off the way they were and just coasting through life. And was just like, I can do nothing wrong. I am going to shred Hawthorne. (laughs) And, um, sounds very familiar. (laughs) I, I, I did. And, um, uh, he wrote, he put a big blood red F at the top of my paper and wrote, I'm glad I survived your paper. Oh, jeez. Wow. And it was funny because I went and I took it to um, my advisor, who was the, he was kind of the managerial chair of the department. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a, he was a, a, a Shakespeare uh, professor. And I went to him and I was like, what the fuck, man? I've never gotten an F in my life. What the shit? Like, what did I do wrong? And he's like, well, let's sit here and do a close reading of your paper. <laughs> and it was really funny because ultimately what he said was, it's like, you know, the problem is, is that you keep making, you keep posturing it being a hard ass, but really all of your writing here is so wishy-washy and ambivalent and you refuse to actually own the fact that you want to be a hard ass and own Hawthorne. And so then, like, after that, like, every piece, like, we just kind of, you know, kept going through criticism. And that was, um, that was like one of like, probably like the best course I had in college was like, um, every week for that semester, we just did a different form of criticism. That's great. It was like introduction to literary criticism. And listen, um, every paper I would go up like half a letter grade. <laughs> and, and by the end of it, like I got an A in the class and like, I was just kind of like, Marcel has made me a critic. It's just like Pilgrim's and Progress. Then, like, <laughs> You've done it. It was just, it was just really funny because it was just like one of those things where like, I will always remember like watching, like seeing my evolution and like the way I was thinking about things. And then like, you know, even now, like it was like, it reminds me of like my work with editors that like, I really love, um, who are taking me seriously enough to tell me when I've gone too far or I'm not going far enough, or this is just nonsense dia stop it <laughs> I, or you know yeah i feel like or like oh, or like hey this is great go yeah, with it like yeah. you know like 
you know, Garrett tells me like, oh, you want to write about PTSD and, you know, um, uh, uh, what's his face from Sekiro? Um, God, how did I forget his name? Hanbei. No, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it's just like, yeah, you can write about your trauma and, 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 and Hanbei. Go for it. <laughs> like. That's great. I'm like, cool. So like, it's, I guess like a lot of it is like, I don't even necessarily feel like I'm doing criticism half the time because I like, I guess I associate criticism so much with like me having to sit down and really like fucking think and work really hard. And then when I finish the piece, it never feels like I did work. Yeah. It's just like, I'm like, yeah, that was awesome. I wish I could just do this all the time. But like, I think like, I think the ultimate uh, thing about criticism and like, this is something I say to my, uh, well, I I don't say it to my students necessarily because they're (laughs) all in like, I'm not going to, I don't go hard on people in composition courses. Like, I feel like when I started out, I did. And then as I sort of learned more about the world, I was like, oh, these poor people are just taking this course that they have to take it. I'll just teach them skills and I will not grade them hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works. It's 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 a great it's a great strategy. I, I recommend it for anyone who has to TA courses. Um, but one of the things like I, you know, this is a maybe a, a more firm paraphrase of it. Like I, I'll tell them is like, listen, like the, the thing about writing papers in college is what I'll say, not criticism, but I mean criticism is that like, you can't, you can't get away with just like saying you're going to do something and then not doing it or like approaching it and saying like, okay, this is what I think. And then not actually like demonstrating it, like demonstrating it is the whole point. And the reason I always like lay in on them about that is cause like, it is truly something that I feel like even some of the most celebrated you know, games writers or whatever, or even like, even like academic critics refuse to do, they refuse to say like, Hey, like I like this or I don't like this, or I think this is good. Or I think this is bad because of this. And I'm going to prove it. Like that was something that I remember the first time I heard someone in my graduate program, a professor, in my graduate program say like, no, you're wrong. Um, just blew me away. Cause I was like, you can't be wrong in English. <laughs> like that's exactly the thing that you have to fight against in criticism is like, yes, you can be wrong and you can tell people they're wrong. It's okay. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I think that's, I think that's good. Like, I think it's good to be able to be like, yeah, like this game sucks or this game rules. And here's why I'm going to actually explain it to you. And it doesn't, it's not me saying like the mechanics are a seven out of 10 and the graphics are a 10 out of 10. Like I'm a game pro issue. It's like, it's, it's something different. Yeah. And like, it's really funny because I guess the hard thing for me that I've had to learn is that um, because we often talk about how, um, you know, oh, games aren't games aren't special. Um, games criticism isn't special. And I'm like, I agree with that. Like, I agree with this is not special. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like, I don't I, I cannot stand the fucking Jeff Keighley hype train <laughs> trying to, like, oh, so bad. legitimize and make games like so important and put them on a pedestal and all this shit. And I'm just like, no, I fucking hate that. But like, at the same time, it's, these are meaningful things to me. Like, you know, the item descriptions, um, I I know, I know people are going to roast the shit out of me for this and I am willing to walk right into this. (laughs) The item descriptions in Dark Souls to me are just as important as Daniel Harm's, you know, absurdist scrawlings on library index cards. That is like I, 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 
I truly admire you for burying your hottest take at two hours and 30 minutes of our podcast. Right? <laughs> right? Impressive. I love that. No, but I, I hear you. Like, I think, I think, and, and I, I should, we should probably call it because people get frustrated at me if I go for th- uh, over two and a half hours. I know. Um, yeah. But then I'll just have to have you back, which is uh, good. Uh, that's, a, that's a good reason to stop so I can have you back. But the, um, uh, if, if you'll come back. Uh, but the, um, like, I think saying video games aren't anything special is like simply another like i think the inverse of that or like the the corollary to that maybe i'll say is you know that means that they're not anything not special too which sounds dumb but like it ends up being like you have to treat this stuff as seriously as you treat the other things because there's not that much of a difference like it's all media. Yeah. So like if you're going to do a close reading of a novel that means you could do a close reading of a video game if you're going to take like, if you're going to take this poem seriously, then you may as well take the writing in this game seriously. Like, it, it it's, it's, maybe they, maybe people didn't work on it as hard. Maybe they worked on it harder. But ultimately, like, that's not the part you should care about as a critic. The part you should care about as a critic, in my opinion, is, like, the piece itself. Like, it's not, you know, oh, you know, it's video games. It doesn't matter. They don't matter any more than novels. But ultimately, I think the challenge is to say they don't matter any less. Right. And like, you know, it's like I think about like, you know, my piece about uh, about Hanbei and Sekiro or my piece, my my Shenmue, my Shenmue review. Like I I definitely feel like I am. I feel like I'm doing criticism there, but I also feel like at the same time I am tapping into something inside myself that is that wants to be expressive and breathless and hyperbolic and wants to like really communicate something essential about why these things are important to me mm-hmm. and why I think they are important generally. And not just because like it's a 10 out of 10, mm-hmm. it's so fucking gorgeous. Like the artists like really worked themselves into their like comas and divorces for a good cause. <laughs> Excuse me. But like that games can affect us and that's good. And we can allow that. And I know we're all jaded and like pissed off about games and all the time and everything. And we, we, we don't want them to be special. We don't want them to be not special. And (laughs) we're this, this industry is so temperamental and juvenile and it hasn't figured itself out, but you know, fuck you. I'm going to write a lyric essay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm going to call it criticism. Yeah. And like, if that's what we're going to do, like, you know, why, why can't we write lyric essays? Why can't we write lyric poems as criticism? Um, when I did the fan fiction for my game of the year list for um, Giant Bomb, I was like, fan fiction is just is another form of criticism. Eat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, good fan fiction like, is. Like, yeah, it can be like if, if like, uh, God, Kevin Snow wrote an incredible piece for Capsule Crit um, when we did our fan fiction issue about there was a Majora's Mask fan fiction piece. And I'm like, this elucidates the text of Majora's Mask better than most of the criticism I've read about Majora's Mask. <laughs> I like when that happens, when it's like it's, it, it is, in fact, like a better version of itself uh, because the person has like just recognized something they care about in it. Um, and like, and then brought it to the fore. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, I should let you go. Um, and if I go much longer, I won't wake up tomorrow, and then I'll be in big trouble. Um, Thank you so much for having you, me. This has been an absolute blast. Yes, I've had a great time. Thank you. So, uh, no, seriously, seriously. I'm not just saying that. I, this has been really, really fun for me, too. I really, really appreciate you coming on. Um, Dia, tell people where they can find your work. Obviously, we did... And wisely, I have to say, it was a good move on your part to uh, do that plug at the beginning of the show, uh, as well as at the end, uh, in case we lost anyone along the way. Um, hopefully not. I think we were extreme. Yeah, hopefully not, because they're going to miss the, 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 the deep hot take. I, I about, know. That's like, you know, that's... Russian you you paid for your seat, but you'll only need the edge for that one. Um, but yeah. the, yeah, like, so the um, people can find you and your work where these days? Um, I am, well, I've got a weekly column on Paste, okay. uh, where we do, uh, video game soundtrack reviews of a sort. Cool. Um, and really most of my stuff is going to be at Paste, uh, because that's, takes up a lot of my time because Garrett wants me to write for him a lot. <laughs> okay, cool. And, oh, um, and, and you can also find me on Twitter. Um, oh yeah, you can find me on YouTube. I don't know what that address is actually. <laughs> Um, everything that I use is Dia Lucina. So you can find me at Twitter, uh, on Twitter at Dia Lucina, D-I-A-L-A-C-I-N-A. Um, there's going to be a link to my YouTube there. Oh yeah. Uh, I found one really, real easy. Um, and I'll, I'll post it with the episode too, but cool. yeah, 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 no, um, cool. I'm bad at publicity. I just retweet. I, I <laughs> like, I'm just like, I, I did the thing, retweet my thing. Okay, cool. We're I done. I so get that. I am, uh, I'll, I'll have people tell me like, I don't know. They, I feel like for maybe the first 75 episodes of this podcast, I would have people who I have known like well on Twitter saying like, Hey, I didn't know you have a podcast. <laughs> like I thought I was being obnoxious. Like, okay, sorry. <laughs> Uh, no, it was really funny. Like, one of my pieces that I actually wrote for Waypoint about, um, and Austin was talking on one of the episodes about um, uh, the construction of cities and spaces and place um, in video games. And I was just like, dude, you were like literally reading my article from from your website. <laughs> and Austin was like, wait, what? And I'm like, dude, seriously? You didn't read the article that <laughs> I wrote it's, for it's, you? <laughs> You you were you were still at EIC at that point. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> you're flying so uh, far was, under the radar. Funny. That just means that you are uh, you're extremely indie. I think. God. <laughs> well, uh, I would love to have you on again at some point. This is. Uh, I would love to come back whenever you're at. Wonderful. Me, so, Excellent. Yeah, this is, this is All fun. right. Thank you so much for being here. Thank All you. Right, take care. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash no cartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts um, and, and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to.